0: what's up everyone welcome to the spiritual gangsters podcast this is a show for all the people who keep it 100 percent real who've been through life able to turn their pain into purpose for people who've struggled with faith yet keep asking questions and seeking the truth To show for us to share our thoughts, experiences, and stories, and know that we're not alone. For all the OGs who see through the world's BS, this is The Spiritual Gangsters. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Spiritual Gangsters Podcast. It's me, Teresa, and I'm here with my very good friend and my favorite American co-host, the NY Patriot.
1: What's up, <laughs> what's, what's
0: up? up? How, goes it? <laughs> How are you?
1: Very good, very good. Can't complain. It's, uh, it's a nice day out, doing a show with Sorry. you, and we got one of our other great friends, Raven, on today, so.
0: But I, I uh, well, know, I'm ask so for. excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. I feel like it's been a while. We haven't recorded something in a bit, so it's nice to be back and we are actually live on youtube uh for people who don't know we do go live on youtube sometimes when we do episodes and record so if you're not already subscribed to youtube please check it out hit subscribe hit the bell like it share it all that good stuff Um, and likewise if you only listen to us oh no sorry if you only listen to us on youtube And don't subscribe to an audio service like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do that, too, because last week's episode was too hot for YouTube and was banned. So we couldn't put it there. So we can only put it on other platforms. So please, you know, hit us up on both so that, you know, you can have the visual or the audio and you won't miss anything. And it's great. And when we do go live, we like to see people in the chat. So please come chat with us and hang out, which is great.
1: That's a very good. Yeah.
0: Like you said i oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> That's a very
1: good point that you make, and I'll even say it for my own show, because of YouTube, there's just certain things I will not drop, but you will be able to find it on the podcasts. you know, our yeah. own separate podcast. And I think like you, like our, our live got taken down with Sean yep. on it. And we had even thought yeah. about, oh, well, maybe we'll make little snippets and do like shorts or something just to advertise it. And I was like, even still then, his name might be, who knows? Yeah, just so, his name alone might yeah. flag the
0: algorithm, right? He's just yes. one of those. One of those uh, people who just gets on the wrong side of YouTube, which is a good thing for our book, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same with this guy (laughs) that we have on today, Mr. Raven Kiefer of No Apologies Podcast. Easily one of the most interesting people I've ever met in this podcasting space, truthing space. Um, You're so knowledgeable. You're so well-spoken. I don't know how you do it, and that's why I want to have you on, because what the heck makes you so gangster, Raven? That's what I want to know. Spiritual
1: (laughs) gangster.
0: So so that's just spiritual gangster. OG. An OG. And by the way, I'm one of the only people who's seen his face online ever. Right? (laughs) Is that true, Raven? Am I still the only one? Yep. (laughs) Yep. Oh, man. (laughs) Nope. I feel special that's uh, funny after, you, after two years
1: y- after two years I'm still waiting for my co-host to show his
0: <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> oh man it's all
2: good
0: you know showing or not showing it's all good but yeah I had the pleasure of doing uh, no apologies uh, interview with Raven not that long ago and he did chat with me first beforehand with his actual face which was lovely and I was like, yes, of course, this is what you look like.
3: Oh, <laughs> that's cute.
0: Yes, yeah. it was awesome. Just, I had a great just, time on your show. Just a,
3: just a beat up old guy. No, uh,
0: a super cool old dude, like a real OG.
1: That's <laughs> funny. That's funny. Now you got yes. me interested.
0: Fuck. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, everyone's like, oh, right. what does he look like? Anyway. She has a
3: She has <laughs> a she hasn't had the opportunity to rub it into you guys yet, so, so that's good. I'm on here when she did it.
0: That's it. I
2: want to it live.
3: But he he that's is fantastic. He is of the physical
1: realm, and he is not a voice coming from the abyss. He does yeah. exist here he's on a real earth. Real
0: person, guys. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he's not the <laughs> prince of the air. <laughs> right. That's funny. Oh man, yeah. yeah Thank I, you for coming I, on the show. Thank you so much because you know you're a busy dude. Well, you know, that's the,
3: the, the, cool thing is, is we just started the show laughing, which is one of the things that I do, you know, um, mm. people get so caught up in all the other stuff that we're doing that we forget to laugh, you know? True.
2: That's
0: a good point. And you used to be a comedian, right?
3: Oh,
1: he used are? to be, he still is. Come on. Oh yeah. He still is. <laughs> I
0: still,
3: I, that's like
1: saying so you I'm, used I'm, to be I'll
0: funny. Be back at it again. You're back at
3: it again? I'm back at it again.
0: Okay. Amazing. Yeah, you know, like stand you know, up and it's,
3: stuff? It's, uh, well, I, I've had a few invitations and I haven't taken them up on it yet, but uh, they they timed it out when I was when I was down sick for ten days. You can't do that to me.
0: <laughs> that's it. No, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's not good. Well, that's great so, to know uh, that you're doing yeah, it again.
3: I've got a couple of invitations and and uh, I'm going to do a couple of clubs probably oh, around the first of the year. Maybe I, I haven't decided yet, but uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, so you know. It, Stand-up's a whole different kind of thing. I I guess we can start with that. Um, You know, when I first started doing gratuity speeches, they used to call me Trash Can Raven.
0: (laughs) Why? (laughs) What does that mean?
3: Um, Anytime the guys, you know, when you do gratuity gratuity speeches, you have a a crew that kind of travels together because you're doing conferences and things like that. So similar subjects, they they pull in the same people. You know, it might vary a little bit, but they got so used to me because when I first started doing it, I would get so nervous before I went on stage that literally I had to have a trash can with me
0: Oh, <laughs> <Aww>, for puking.
3: <laughs> yes. Aww. Yes. I, I, I threw up when I would get there, I would start getting nauseous and then I would start throwing up about 20 minutes before I was supposed to go on stage. Oh shit! And uh, the minute I hit stage and I had my cup of coffee with me and I started talking, I was fine. But right up until the time I got on stage, I would be throwing up. And it's then the, an- the minute the I got off stage,
2: yeah,
3: um, the minute I got off stage, I would start throwing up again a couple of times, and then I'd be fine. And uh, I went through that for, I went through that for about the first three years that I was wow. doing gratuity speeches. Okay. And, okay. Uh,
0: for people who don't know what a gratuity speech is, can you just explain that quick?
3: Well, I have I have twenty three books in print. What? um that i've, I've written yeah I've, I've got i've got 23 books in print that i've written solo and then i've got uh damn. i gotta think now yeah, 16 16 that i've co-wrote as a ghostwriter. damn
2: so, okay uh, fucking
3: ghostwriting shit. I back in those days back in those days in the 90s we were trying to wake people up you know david Icke had come out and, and there, there were a lot of people around we, we still had uh we still had, uh, Bill Cooper and there were so many people out at the time, but now I was taking it a little bit different approach on it. Um, you know, one of the things that I wrote was corporate crime shows profits.
0: Oh, that's a <laughs> um, juicy read. I'm sure. <laughs> that's
3: what it's all about. <laughs> um, it was really interesting that I got invited to do a gratuity speech on that particular subject, corporate crime shows profits. And it was all uh, mid-level CEOs and marketing people for companies. Oh wow! Um, yeah, you talk about a you talk about a adversarial crowd, um, but they paid me good money. I couldn't figure it out. You know, they were going to pay me seven thousand dollars. They were going to get me there. I didn't have to worry about any of those expenses. And I thought, well, hell yeah, I'll do it. You know, seven thousand dollars for four hour presentation? Sure. Sounds and, good to uh, me. And I came to find out it was it was put together by a marketing group, and they wanted to hear all the things that, that i have i was presenting and then within about six months you started seeing advertisements like uh, you know you all remember the XLN valdez yes, yeah yes, briefly yes, <laughs> yes. that's <laughs> well, i XL remember that valdez shit on the, is the tv is all the oil up in alaska
1: yes, okay, yes i remember that i remember the uh, they, they were constantly um, showing the videos of like the all the animals covered and i remember as a kid i was like what the
3: well, yeah. but what they also did is they came out and they said, oh, look, we are a good company. We are cleaning up the environment. Do you all remember when they switched their advertising? Um, yes. That was after that conference that I did. Um, they took all the information that they got from me, and all of a sudden you started seeing these public relations and all this this stuff that they were doing to try to hide the crimes that they were committing.
0: Oh, wow. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. So they you took your research and, and hijacked it, basically. Yeah,
3: and turned it into propaganda. They they needed to figure out a way to counter what what was coming out. Um,
1: it's kind of like now you know, now we and, have pharmaceutical <laughs> companies doing it instead of oil.
2: Yeah. <laughs> true. Absolutely.
3: Well, and you know, marketing marketing comes straight from from Edward Renee's propaganda anyway. So. Um, to differentiate between marketing and propaganda is to not understand what they are.
0: Very well said.
1: Yes. Mm. Well, that's the only way propaganda works is if you don't, don't know what's propaganda.
3: <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. guys, I wrote you a poem so I can fill you in on the early part of my life. And okay. I was just joking around when I did this, but, but I thought you guys would dig it. Are you guys ready?
1: Yeah. Let's it
2: hear it. This best.
3: is
1: awesome. This is awesome. It was, it was the best the of
3: times. It was the worst of times. We had Evil Knievel and the Flying Walendas. Oh, but damn, we also had those pantomimes. Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Daly, and we had an outhouse to go do our daily. There were four seasons, most younger people don't know, but hell, there was also 10 to 15 feet of snow. Um, Tricky Dick, Carter, and Begin. Arafat, Thatcher, Carter... Oh, my God. Ronald Reagan. Korea turned into Vietnam. Banks and agencies' profits replaced Uncle Sam. Labor unions, sometimes crooked, but workers were strong. Busted beaten. Jobs were moved overseas. Just move along. Gardens weren't victories anymore. You had to grow your own because you couldn't afford them at the store. We are the world in live aid and farm aid too. They killed the family farming and gave agribusiness to you. Um, Country (laughs) rock and the disco hustle turned into brawless and hairless, replacing the dress and the bustle. I grew up with horses and model T's and fair lanes. First time though, 50, 50 Chevys lined up two by two. And those exhausts were shooting flames. Japanese, Korean, European on the road, cars. By the nineteen eighties, new improved obsolescence planned was sold. Factory after factory, every one gets canned. Nineties and two thousands, we watched them go. Twenty twenties, all we hear now is we didn't know, we didn't know.
1: Wow. I like how you. Sh- to me, there was a lot of just funny things. It's like how you said one thing, but then, oh God, I don't know how to explain it. It's like you brought up something and saying how it was bad, but then it ends up it was good for somebody else, though.
2: <laughs> I, don't <talk> to <laughs> I,
1: I I really I thought that was pretty cool, and then unfortunately Teresa missed all that because she's dropping in and out. Um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. i will have to hear it, I guess, after the fact. I don't know what's going on. Looks like she's stuck trying to come back in. Um, before I had, I had actually wanted to ask before you got into that, when you were talking about like ghostwriting and all these books that you wrote, you, when was that? Like what time, like what years or like decade or like what age, you know, for you, were you at doing that stuff?
3: You
1: know, like how <laughs> well, long ago was that? the first books that
3: I wrote, uh, the first books that I had, the first book I had published was in uh, 1989. Oh, wow. Um, and, and then 92, and then I took a few years off because I was, like, really busy, and, and the next ones came out in 96 and 99, and then I dropped a bunch of them between 99 and 2006 that I'd have been working on, and then I, uh, a couple of them came out, I guess, in 2008, 2009, um, and I haven't written anything since. Oh, <laughs> Excuse me.
1: And when did so, you... Yeah, I- yeah, so that was a that's a long time ago. I mean, you've been you've been doing this shit like 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 she said for a long time.
3: Well, you know, I told people, you know, I I started in 88, 89, and uh, I I went solid solid doing gratuities, trying to do when the internet came out, trying to do stuff online, um, doing speeches, writing books, um, writing articles for different online sources. You know, I started this stuff back. Uh, and then I, I quit, you know, my wife passed away. My, my late wife passed away in 2006, but I was already done by 2002. I was pretty much just frustrated. Um, I had spent, you know, the biggest part of 14 years writing articles, talking about corporate crimes, talking about, uh, you know, the, the Patriot and Homeland Security acts and, 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 false flags and all the other kinds of things that that were just obvious. I mean, obvious. It's not like you have to look very deeply.
2: Yeah.
3: And, uh, I, I got so frustrated by 2002 that, uh, I was still doing a few, a few appearances doing stand up comedy, but I just, uh, I was done. Nobody was listening. You know, in spite of all the things that were going on, the economy was still pretty good and people just, they were content to just make their money, eat their pizza, go to McDonald's, watch their television, and, you know, they didn't care that the Homeland and Security, Homeland and Patriot Act, the Homeland Security and Patriot Act, were written a year before nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Nobody cared. No. I remember that. Um, I remember
1: even when that came out, nobody started talking about that. Uh, you know, well, I'd say the conspiracy theorists were like, wow, but then, like, you know, 90% of the population was like... Oh, that's not a coincidence. You know, they, they I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's
3: just... Well, it's it's like the, it's like, a, you know, what really got me started was what they call these sustainable development plans. And it, guys, this might be too hot for, for YouTube, but uh, what got me started was the sustainable development plans because what I saw was that uh, um, states, the United States for one, but But the individual states and some counties and some cities were signing agreements to sustainable development plans with the United Nations without any um, vote, without any public knowledge. Um, You know, these sustainable development plans are what ended up uh, with the uh, and a lot of people don't know this. You know, um, Mount Rushmore is not owned by the United States. Yellowstone is not owned by the United States. Yosemite is not owned by the United States, the people anymore. Um, the old city of Philly is not owned by the United States out the Alamo, the grand Canyon, uh, the Rio Bravo uh, national park. Um, they were all signed over to the United nations under Reagan or Reagan under Bush and Clinton. That's the reason why they are now UNESCO heritage sites.
1: So like who, you know, it's interesting that you even mentioned the Yellowstone grand Canyon. Uh, who owns these things then? I mean, the is, United is, Nations. Is United, yeah. All, oh, so everything that you mentioned is—it's really weird because I—I I, I think, uh, my opinion, I do believe, and not to get into like some crazy stuff because I still want to stick on the topic with you, but like mm-hmm. I do believe that like certain uh, you know parks and stuff like that, you know, like fe- you know we have these federal parks and like who, who knows, like you just said, I think one of them, I mean, the United Nations owns them now. But like I, I, I think there's something up with them where like they're closed off. You can't you, you know, there's something special oh, yeah. about them. I don't think they want people really there doing much. It's just something very weird. Almost like like David Pilates is uh what is that thing? Uh uh missing four one one. Missing four one one. Yeah, like I, I honestly think there's something up to that besides I think his he ends up unfortunately going off into Bigfoot. But I do think there is something up with that. You know, and Bigfoots could just
2: be skinwalkers for all I know. (laughs) Well,
3: you know, what really got me started, there were two things that got me started. The first one was uh, Dr. Leonard Horowitz on vaccinations. And the second one that got me started was uh, the UNESCO sites. Why all of a sudden does this say UNESCO and not property of of the the American public? Um, Those are the two things that fired me off and actually pissed me off. Um, and that's how I got started. Those two subjects.
1: (laughs) Mm. You know, I have a question. I have a question. Sorry about that. I just, I have a question in the live chat. I just wanted to ask you if you, if you happen to know, it's a good question. So does the Endangered Species Act still apply to, uh, UNESCO sites or no? Like has that yeah. changed?
3: Oh, it's, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it, but it, it but it falls under the it falls under the uh, World Wildlife Management under the United Nations. It's not um, the Endangered Species Act is is mostly applied to private property. In case people haven't noticed, <laughs> um, it's not applied to corporate property, and it's not a prop. It's not a, applied to the UNESCO sites because it's not owned by the corporation in DC anymore. It's owned by the United Nations. I hope that helped. Yeah,
1: that's so weird. I never. But anyway, those
3: sense. two subjects, those two subjects are what got me fired up. I met Dr. Leonard Horowitz in Florida in 1988, and my background, folks, I, I worked uh, atomic, biological, and chemical for years. Um, just so that y'all know. Oh, okay. Um. So when I met, so when I met, uh, and and before I forget, um, <laughs> I am not a veteran. I went into the military, and because of what I am and how I work, I was taken into a private unit, um, and I worked as a contractor. I was not a military veteran. I always try to point that out to folks because uh, um, there is a difference, oh, a yeah, huge difference. Yeah, I might have sure. worked with the military, and as a matter of fact, I worked with them a very, 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 very much of the time that I was doing the job. Yeah. But uh, I was not in the military. I was a part private contractor.
1: I've even come across that, and, and, and not trying to compare the both of you, but even um, even when we covered Travis Scott, who was involved with uh, the show Skinwalker Ranch, I don't think he's in the government, but he's like kind of like as a hired person to work for them, like a private contractor. Like they, He mm-hmm. goes out and does the science aspect and brings back the information. Like I, He's not part of it, but he works for them. So I, I totally understand yeah. what you're
3: getting at. Yeah. You know, I, I had somebody who stole my identity, and, and I, I don't know how they had the background they did on me, but they gave themselves away because they went to a place where people knew me and, and claimed to be a, a veteran. And uh, anybody who knows me for any amount of time knows that I was not a vet. I was a private contractor. So it ended up getting them arrested and putting in jail, and I was I was very happy with that.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yo i can't please someone and what were they like trying to and you know the funny thing is before i asked uh, ask this question are those ravens in the background <laughs> yes they are <laughs> they they hang out at my
3: house hi guys
1: i was like yo that sounds them? like birds in the background
3: let me find out if those are ravens <laughs> but uh, yeah those are my ravens wait. these are these are younglings oh these well, are younglings I, I got a i got a whole crop of uh springborn ravens now and it's, it's nice.
1: Now, when this person stole <laughs> your identity, was it just like a, just a random identity theft, or was it a specific reason? You think it might have been you, or that's that's interesting. Well,
3: you know, I I had worked uh, atomic, biological, and chemical, and I had been writing books already, and I think the, I think honestly, it was somebody put up to it. Um, to, to discredit me, you know, let me go, let me make a very, very good example to you guys. You know, I, I came back, uh, y'all drugged me out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm glad <laughs> um, you guys drug me out of retirement. But now, um, as soon as I started doing podcasts and interviews in 2020, if you searched my name, Raven Kiefer online, you wouldn't find anything except for a few of the interviews that I had done in the last few years. Right. If you type my name in a search engine today, Raven, you're going to find about the first thing that pops up on the Google search is about three pages of people who are arrested for violent crimes that have my name.
1: Yeah. And you know what's so funny? And I'm going I I can even co-sign that is that I wasn't exactly sure how you spelt your last name. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just type in Google real quick his name and see if his podcast came up. And I tried K-E-I-F-E-R, and obviously that didn't show anything because it was wrong. But then when I typed in the right one, uh, I eventually found it, but tons of other things and stuff like that did pop up as the first things. And then I was like, I think that might be him. And I was like, why don't I just go check his Instagram account?
3: I mean, you know, we used to call it ghosting somebody when you'd wait for him and then light the whole place up.
1: But if you put in no apologies, then you will be found but your name Absolutely. you're totally right you really don't it, show but up but if you
3: type if you type my name in after i started doing these interviews and started doing my own podcast all of a sudden there's like uh, a, a serial killer in michigan and there's a, a a rapist and a and a wife beater in in michigan and and, and none of this stuff <laughs> Florida, was <going> man. online <laughs> until i came back out what the
2: heck? and what and, did and I really miss? until about a year ago <laughs> um
3: but, but it was really funny because you couldn't find me anywhere except for very specific. If you type my name in and, and say forbidden knowledge news or type my name in with, with the different people I'd done interviews with or for my books, you would find me. But the minute I started doing this on a regular basis, specifically after I started doing the podcast, all of a sudden, if you type my name into any search engine, the first two or three pages you get are, are criminals that are like really good people. Huh? Um, the funny thing is, is I, t- I tried to look a few of them up on court dockets, and the court dockets don't exist. So what does that tell you? Oh wow, It's weird. Yeah. You know, well, you think about it. If if you're if you're trying to, oh, ma- a mass murder, a wife wife and family killer, um, somebody for domestic abuse. Uh, I think one of them was pedophilia. Um, I, you know, I don't pay attention to stuff like that. But if the first ten entries you get are people who are in prison. <laughs> most people won't most people won't look at the second or third page no you're right
1: you're right. Nah. right. Yeah, there's so even a lot ghosted. of times when I'm researching stuff me. I don't even go to the second page
0: <laughs> yeah
3: you know well, what I'm Eric saying, you know, they, they have ghosted me
1: it, what Eric did say which is uh, actually very very good suggestion I have even made it for my own stuff and that's how I've been able to pull up shit even for the jesters, make a Pacer account. And then you might still find, you know, the court cases, but not Googling
3: it, you won't. And Pacer account's free. I actually actually went to the court dockets in the state and couldn't find the court dockets.
1: Really? Okay. Because, yeah, I was going to suggest that, too. I have even... uh, through PACER, you can go into the actual state court yeah. documents and look up stuff as but well But I actually
3: went into I actually went into four states looking for court records and the court dockets and they don't <laughs> exist. So who put those articles up there? Yeah, that would be the question to ask, right?
0: Yeah, it's a good question.
3: Now since this is about spiritual gangsters, I guess we ought to go back some. I, I I'm sorry you missed my poem, sweetie.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm very sad that you missed it. I'm so sorry. But anyway, I have no, uh, I have no idea what happened there. I, apologize. I spent
3: I spent years doing a lot of stuff. and Now, I I worked atomic, biological, and chemical, which meant I responded to atomic leaks or weapons. I responded to biological agents and chemical agents. All right? Okay. Um, I spent 18 years going anywhere in the world within 24 hours. Hmm. So if people want to know why I know what I do about the thing that just went around in the last couple of years— Mm-hmm. it's, it's because I spent a lot of time in universities and special courses to keep up with it.
2: Okay.
3: Um, I, and, you know, I haven't lost track. I know where to look for stuff. I know what I'm looking for as far as, uh, proteins and enzymes and things like that. Um, I test off the curve for IQ, you know, the IQ test is a bell curve.
0: I was going to say, you're probably
3: um, very intelligent. The the IQ test is a bell curve, and I can take the PhD IQ test any day, and I will test so far off the curve that it doesn't give me a number.
0: What the heck?
3: Um, I, I, I've been that way since I was in my 20s.
0: That's unreal.
3: Um, but uh, it, it's just, uh, you know <sighs> – I was dyslexic as a kid. I made straight D's and F's and barely passed from one grade to another when I was in elementary school. And then I came across the teacher who realized I was dyslexic. I reversed letters. Mm -hmm. They taught me to speed read. Now, I'm telling you right now, y'all, if anybody listening to us is having trouble reading and remembering things, especially your kids, teach them to speed read. You can get it for your own computer at home for free. I went from making D's and F's and barely making it from grade to grade. The only thing that saved me was, you know, we used to do the achievement tests every year.
0: Yeah, the standardized and I would, tests.
3: And I would test four and five years ahead. Mm. But I would finish the test in like half the time of everybody else, and it drove the teachers crazy. <laughs> um, they, they kept saying that I was they kept saying that I was sloughing off on my homework, and I, I just wasn't applying myself. But then when we do the achievement tests, I would test four and five years ahead.
2: So I how do they explain sport. that?
3: Exactly. I got a perfect score on my SAT. A perfect? Uh, as if that makes any damn difference. But Oh, shit. Yes. Stuff
1: like that makes me think like uh, yes, this stuff wasn't stimulating enough to keep your attention. That's the problem sometimes. Yeah. I think with children. Well, no, I
3: was I was dyslexic. Um, if you let me go fast. Um, I had a teacher who came in from, from California, of all places. And uh, his family was from where I was at. And he started teaching. And uh, he had been in the military, and he realized that I was dyslexic. He taught me to speed read. I went from D's and F's to straight A's. Really, so
0: straight as long as you a's. go fast, it was easier um, for you.
3: Yes, and I have an eidetic memory now. Holy <laughs> shit! Being able to speed read—literally, I remember about. Well, I remember as I've aged, it's dropped a little bit, but it used to be a hundred percent. I can sit and draw you a a, a three fifty block and all the parts to it for a nice. motor.
0: I'm really unbelievable.
3: Um, still, I can see it in my head right now. <laughs> wow. um, but now now that I'm older, it's dropped down to about 96, 97%, which is still better than, you know, the vast majority of the population. So if you all want to know why I can remember so much and I can access it so quickly, it's because I have an eidetic memory. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, once I've read it, it's there. now. My brain works like a computer in a weird way. I I have files. It's kind of like, I call it the Rolodex. Eh. So if I come across something new, it automatically links up to something old.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. I I don't know how to explain that to you. So like you guys, with some of the stuff that you've been doing lately, all of a sudden I've I've pulled out stuff from like 20 and 30 years ago. I was talking to New York. Um, It's because it's already in my head. And what you said brought, made the connection for me.
0: Yes.
1: That's funny because, um, you know, that's, but you know I, that's kind of what I, I was grew, getting at. I grew up on a farm. You grew up on a farm, yes. That's no. funny how you mentioned that, like, uh, because, like, I guess something that maybe we mentioned that might have reminded you of something. You do you remember? And you said, oh, my brain works kind of like a computer. I really do think the brain is basically a hard, it's a hard mm-hmm. drive to our body anyway. But, like, what mm-hmm. I was saying in what yeah. is magic, my what is magic series you, uh, somebody can find my show, see me, never watch it again 20 years from now. God, if I'm still doing something, somehow my name comes back up. Oh, I remember that guy. But you never knew I existed until you saw yep. my face and heard my show. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, that really is, mm-hmm.
2: I don't know,
1: you know what I'm getting at? It's funny how you mentioned that. Like, I, that, that really just oh, solidifies, yeah. it solidifies what I was trying to get at in that show as well.
3: Well, now you, you all think about this. I read between three and five hundred pages an hour average. Okay. What? So, and I've mean, yeah, I, I read between three and five hundred pages average. Let me give you an example. Um, Stephen King's Pet Cemetery was was one short evening's <laughs> read for me.
1: I remember you saying that stuff on YouTube, talking about how many books you read in a certain <laughs> amount of time. I was like, yo, that's insane. Um,
3: that's unbelievable. You know. I read three to 500 pages an hour and I can remember 99, well, 96, 97% of it. So y- you think about that. Um, and I've been at this for 45 years, almost.
0: What a gift, Raven. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, an, it's an amazing.
3: Um, I used to spend a lot of time in the university libraries and, and going through the old books. And then I got into the esoteric libraries. And, you know, when I tell people that I've read 40,000 books, that's not bragging. That's a fact. Um, and that was a long time ago. Hell, that was 20 years ago. I have no idea how many books I've read since.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Have you ever thought hitting, that the dyslexia... 100,000. Um, <laughs> have you ever wondered...
3: That's not including... Have you ever wondered if the dyslexia... Well, you know what I wonder? Help? I wonder how much I can store.
1: <laughs> you got like a three terabyte yeah. hard drive right there. The <laughs> Is
0: it terabytes or what? Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> but Raven, uh, I was I was wondering, you know, it, it. I do find it interesting that like, I think... If you got into occultism, mysticism, hermeticism, whatever, I mean, maybe dyslexia could help in certain areas, I honestly, to tell you the truth, or, like, looking at... Well, yeah, seeing, seeing, the seeing the symbology
3: backwards. Yes,
1: exactly, because when you even um, said that, I was like, maybe this guy was already meant to, like, kind of be, you know what I'm saying? Like, that oh just yeah. goes along with who you are, you know, your, well,
3: yeah, or you know, your understanding. A little bit to be fair to people, we got to go backwards a little bit because I have not always been who who I am today. You know, I, I started out on a farm, you know, I was just a farm kid. Um, and I was dyslexic. I made straight D's and F's in class, <laughs> sometimes C's. Um, so, I mean, I, I went through all that with the dyslexia and, and people, you know, saying I was just not trying and, and what have you. I went through that, that as a young kid, um, but, you know, I got into my 20s, and I was dealing with biological and chemical crimes around the world. And and I, I'm going to call them what they were. They were biological and chemical crimes. These were corporations and countries using biological and chemical weapons as an experiment on people. And then we'd have to go clean it up.
1: Wow. What kind of oh, –
3: you know, um, Can you get well, into you know, any detail with was, that stuff? Anthrax oh, okay. was one of them. Okay. Damn. Um, in South America, there's a country that had a mine explosion. If people want to look it up, they can find it from the 1990s. There was a mine explosion in this, in this valley and the whole valley got blown up. Um, there was no choice in it. The anthrax was there. And, uh, if you didn't burn it down and burn it down again and burn it down again, the anthrax would have jumped And just over the mountains. There was a population of like one and a half million people. These are the decisions that we had to make back then, dude. You know, you you wipe out a whole village of people, you know, 8,500 people, every animal, man, woman, and child, or you watch one and a half million people die. This is what we were put up to back then. Um, Damn. So you call in the airstrike, you know?
2: (laughs) Um,
1: Have you ever thought that, that stuff has uh, and you know I don't always think it's a bad thing you know there's a balance to everything have you ever thought or wondered if that has like desensitized you like oh it I'm sure it
3: has going? but you know I spent I spent the the latter part of my 20s with you know what a 38 special is you're right in the night right neighborhood for that in New York
2: <laughs>
3: yeah I spent I spent probably four years with a 38 special. Um, playing everybody's favorite Russian game. <laughs> um, I used to get time. You've off. played that. I used to get time. I used to get time off. And when I had downtime, you know, I would drink. Oh man. And, uh, you know, a fifth of tequila was not enough. I, I drank it by the gallon. And, uh, I would put the shell in and I'd spin the cylinder and, uh, you know, that that was my entertainment for the night.
2: Mm.
3: Tequila and a 38 special. And I did it for probably two or three years.
1: Yo, that's like um, some fucking Christopher Walken shit from
3: uh, Deer
1: Hunter.
3: Damn, dude. And here's the thing. It finally, it finally clicked. One night, I wasn't quite as drunk as usual, and I pulled the trigger, and it went, that hard hit. And I thought, what the Sam hell! I opened it up, and it hit. It actually hit the. Sh- it was right where it should have been, but it didn't go off. Holy fuck! <laughs> so uh, I quit drinking. I got my. I got my shit. You to- know, i had mean, I, already been doing. I, w- I was still doing esoteric and occult research, even in the midst of this. You talk about a dark night of the soul. Um, but when I had downtime, I'd drink, and and me and my my buddy uh mr. Shorty. <laughs> mr shorty would sit and and spin cylinders um but it hit i carried that shell i carried that shell with me uh, with a, a weird leather string around my neck <coughs> for several <coughs> years to remind to remind <coughs> me
1: <laughs>
3: damn and uh a buddy of mine had a a buddy of mine had a 38 that he was wanting to sell and i thought man that's a, that's a nice that's a nice firearm and uh, we didn't have any shells with us. I said, "Well, hell, let's try this one." And I took it out from around my neck. I took the leather strap off of it, stuck it in there, and put it and chambered it. And I uh, pulled the trigger. Guess what? It went off. <laughs> Shit, I had so, uh, myself in the coffin?
1: Yo, that's really. I mean, we 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 that's,
3: we, we like to that had a heart attack. <laughs>
1: I mean, just—I'll be totally honest with you. Even coming out and even saying that is pretty fucking mind blowing. It's pretty heady.
3: But here's the thing: <laughs> all wow. those years, I, all those years, I had pulled that trigger and it never hit on the cylinder, and then it does and doesn't go off. And then about five years later, I take it out from around my neck, stick it in a thirty eight, chamber it, and fire, and it goes off. Um, you talk about waking somebody up.
1: No, I—I I mean. I would have to think if I was in that position and that happened, I would assume that's going to affect me somehow. Like, I think I would have some sort of a spiritual experience at that moment, you know.
3: Well, and, you know, interestingly enough, that's when my first books were written. Um, that's when my gratuity speeches took off. Um, you know, it was just like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> I don't know how. And uh, I got to do something. I got to try. So I I did. I I, I took off. I started writing books. I started doing gratuity speeches. Um, Eventually, I started doing stand-up comedy, which was my relief from all the stress and all the dark stuff.
1: And how long have you been doing? That was something I wanted to ask you earlier. You might have mentioned it. Maybe I just forgot before we started getting into it. But like, I, I, cause I know like besides podcasting, you have been just doing comedy for a while. Like how long have you been doing that as well? When did you start that around?
3: Uh, let's see. I was doing gratuity speeches and I was doing the uh, corporate crime show profits. So probably my first time on stage was like maybe 1994.
1: Oh, all right. so that's.
3: Yeah, Fuck. that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, my first time on stage was probably 1994. And the way that happened was is a bunch of us were doing a gratuity speech in Atlanta. And we went to the Comedy Club and they were having an open mic segment. And the guys that were with me said, man, you're funny, man. Get up there. Now, what you have to understand is I had already figured out how to, how to keep from getting sick doing my presentations, my gratuities. And uh, I think 94, 96, somewhere in there. But anyway, so I went up and, and I did just a quick segment and, and the whole segment was about throwing up. <laughs> my first time my first time doing stand-up comedy, I, I said, hey y'all, have you ever seen somebody who makes speeches for a living that spends the whole time throwing up?
2: <laughs>
3: I was making fun of myself. Yeah, no, I
1: was even thinking that. I was like, it's funny how you yeah, you can take your own truth and situation of something that was like you know, like that, and then just spin us That's amazing how then you could just spin a, a funny story about it and people will crack up. Well, oh yeah, well, depends then, on
3: yeah, how you I tell, went on to tell. To the tale. The women, the women when they're pregnant, they throw up. And uh, I made it through the first round of the stand of the uh, walk-on uh, open mic, and uh, I got voted in for the second round, which I thought was fantastic. Right?
1: How did this happen? Yeah.
3: So I spent. I spent. Yeah, I'm like, whoa. So I got back up, and my second time on stage doing stand-up comedy, I just talked about farting.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh yeah. Well, you know, and, though, and I the won thing that is... night, dude. I got two hundred. <coughs> I got two hundred fifty bucks.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say you also have to think of the time and depending on the crowd. I mean, that probably would make you know people laugh anyway. Still, then. You
3: I got a song that I wrote and I got to give credit to Kansas. Those guys are so great. If you've never met him, those guys are still phenomenal people. But I wrote a song and, 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 uh, for my new podcast, I wrote a song. It's called gas in the wind. And it's talking about pregnant women having gas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so, I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, you have to balance it, brother. You and you and I, and, and Lux and, even general and we get into so many heavy 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 subjects I mean especially when you start talking about occult and esoteric stuff
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, and back then I was doing the uh, back then I was doing the uh, conglomerate and international conglomerate the the, the government stuff um, as part of my gratuities and my books I had to have events I had to have a event, and I could go do a gratuity speech at four o'clock in the afternoon. And if I was in the right town, I could be on stage at nine o'clock doing stand up comedy. You couldn't ask for better.
1: Yeah, doing something you love <laughs> too, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, you, you go from doing something really serious that gives you a migraine and makes you want to rich, um, to doing stand up comedy and getting people. You know, I always say if I could get people to slap each other on the shoulders. Uh, the guys hit each other in the chest. Women giving dirty looks to men and men staring at the women. I, I did my job right.
2: <laughs> yes, you did.
3: <laughs> um, you used have to be <laughs> careful. You know, I, always, I always try to joke about stuff, but you always had to be careful because some of the clubs, you'd be right down by the tables. So you had to time your jokes when people weren't taking a drink because you didn't want them spitting on me. <laughs> oh, man. Literally, they would be right on top of you, and if you told the joke at the wrong time... <laughs> You know, you get covered in soda or coffee or wine or whatever they were drinking when you told the joke.
1: Makes me think of Gallagher, but that's the other way around.
3: Oh, Gallagher. Yeah, well, Gallagher was there, you know, and I opened for I opened for some headliners. I had one headliner, I won't say his name, but I opened for him one night at a big comedy club and, and he went on after me and it was like one of the worst nights he ever had. <laughs> I'm, I'm hyperactive, man, I'm all over the place and jumping and, and raising cane and he went on after me, and he's kind of like one of those guys. He's the old deadpool, you know. Stands in front of the mic. Oh, what um, do they call that? The, huh?
1: What do they call you? Would you say a deadpool?
3: Yeah, we call them deadpools. They stand right in front of the mic. Um, guys, don't get mad at me for saying that about you. <laughs> but they literally just stand in front of the mic, and and, and they're really they they really are. We call them deadpools. Oh, that's me, like, I'm a live wire.
1: That's like when I when I've seen typo negative three times. If they just stand there in front of the mic or with their instrument and they're just playing on stage, and they're fucking like a dead pole. Dead pole. I love their music, but watching yep. them live, except for the keyboard player, really, everybody else is just like fucking motionless and just playing the guitar with their heads down.
3: So for, so for me, you know, I opened for him in Atlanta, and then we ran into each other again over at a casino. And he saw me come in to the green room area. He goes, are you on tonight? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm the uh, opener for the headliner. And he goes, oh, wait a second. Man, he takes off running. And uh, he comes back. And about 30 minutes later, Robert, the guy that, that, that was running the place, comes up to me. and He goes, you're the headliner tonight. And I'm like, uh, huh? He says, you're going to headline tonight. Dude, I had a guy who got paid almost $15,000 to do an hour stand-up open for me that night because he didn't want to follow me. He had, he had a DVD coming out and he didn't want me to burn him.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Um,
3: Well, it's just because the energy level and I'll tell you how gracious he was before when he did his bit, everybody was happy. And he says, man, I want to introduce you to somebody who is just funny as blank, blank, blank. He says, but get your necks ready because he'll give you whiplash. And he did the introduction for me instead of the MC. And then a, a few years later I ran into him and, and my wife had passed and I hadn't been doing stand up or anything like that. I ran into him at a casino and he goes, man, I haven't seen you in a long time. You know, I said, "No," nah. I said, I, I lost my wife in 06. He goes, Oh, I, I'm so sorry to hear about that. And he even remembered what she looked like. Um, he says, Hey, y- you on tonight? And I said, no, I haven't been doing stand up since she passed. And, and he goes, man, I'll give you 15 minutes. Now, this is a guy who is a headliner that's been on HBO and all kinds of other places, and he was going to give me 15 minutes of his show. So, there are some really legitimate dudes out there in the comedy. Um, They're not all, you know, sanctimonious buttheads. (laughs) Not all of them.
1: You know, that's funny that you had even mentioned about, like, wanting to switch time schedules because of the feel of the energy of the show. Uh, I have seen something recently. I don't think it was new. It's probably just something I came across. So I think they were covering, like, the last Woodstock, and they were even, like, showing, you know, just, like, how much of a mess it was and pretty much, like, shitting on the whole production. Oh, yeah. But they were even, like, showing how, like, people were even saying, like, with the way the people were getting, because they're very unhappy about stuff, they had even said on, the, on mm-hmm. the, I forgot which day it was, but from the lineups of the bands, they even said because of the energy that those types of bands had, the crowd would start getting more destruction, mm-hmm. like causing more destruction. They were getting more angry. It was basically like, I think it was Limp Biscuit and Corn. Those like those were the shows yeah. that like set everybody the fuck off and like in between was like Bush and then people are bitching because now Bush is so you know different than them like it was just constant unhappiness in the music was well, totally yeah. adding to it and they were well, even you know, trying to tell the people like have, this lineup is actually making it worse
3: But you have some bands that are like really really good at it let me give a shout out to Breaking Benjamin some of the nicest guys I've ever met by the way um, the, the lead singer and, and shame on me for not remembering your name, brother. Um, but he, uh, he is so, uh, audience aware that if there is like an overreaction going on in the audience, he will actually stop, talk to the audience, change songs to something a little bit less, you know, aggressive, and then he'll bring the energy level back up. He is so good at reading what's going on in a venue that uh, I wish other people would pay attention to how he runs his shows. He runs his shows from on stage by observing the audience. That is a very, very oh, hard thing yeah. to do. Well
2: the, you that's
0: know, such a skill. DJs
1: sure. DJs have to do that, I think. You know, they have mm-hmm. to learn how to how to do that. But but what you're even saying right there, this is, oh. this even shows how that how that works, Raven, because of unfortunately how humans are. Let's say you're playing in front of thousands of people. Oh, yeah. You're playing in front of thousands of people, and let's say you do want to change up the tempo, but you don't want people to bitch. Like you said, he may stop and then start talking. Those people are going to be like, oh my God, he's talking to me right now. Then when you switch over to something else, you don't give a flying fuck because you thought I just had a personal conversation with so-and-so, and and I just fucking choked.
2: Yeah, And then it's okay what happens after that. I have to say,
3: you know, Breaking (laughs) Benjamin is probably the most aware band out there right now. I have to say Stone Temple Pilots are good at it, too. Um, But now, as far as comedians go, um, Jeff Foxworthy. Jeff Foxworthy was doing a show and somebody had a heart attack. Um, I happened to be doing security that night. And Jeff Foxworthy was so aware of what was going on in the audience that he not only told everybody in the audience to be calm and told the engineers to get the lights up. But he talked to everybody very calmly, no joking, no nothing. Just talked to everybody allowing security and, and the, the emergency personnel to deal with the heart attack. Now that is severe and acute awareness by somebody that's hard to do when you're on stage with lights in your face.
0: Oh, for sure. And we have the so, opposite so she... example of Astro world. What exactly not to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right?
3: <laughs> Well, you know, but mm-hmm. I, but in, in that case, I think that was intentional, right? Yes. Oh, exactly. but, but you look you look mm-hmm. at the setup, you look at the occult symbology, you look at the language, you look at the music. Yeah. That looked like a sacrificial rite to me. That's and I true. can't call it anything else.
0: Well, it's frequency uh, part but there, now, right?
3: <clears throat> true, true. You know, and I talk about mm-hmm. that in my podcast. But um, something else to point out to you all, you know, the first time I ever did a uh, festival stand-up, Um, it was a last minute call because I was close. I was within a a couple hours of them and I knew the promoter and the security guys. They said, Hey, look, we got a comedian that can substitute for this guy. Now they paid a guy 30 grand to be there all night and he didn't show up and wasn't going to show up because it was country and Western music. (laughs) What a jerk. Anyway, so I drove over there, blue jeans, t shirt And, uh, I had no idea. I had my blazer with me, but when I found out what it was all about, I just wore my t-shirt with a a light jacket over it. You know, Mm -hmm. I stepped, I stepped out. I had fun with the bands in the back and the security guys and the promoter and what have you. And they said, well, we're getting ready to go. And I'm like, all right. I stepped out and looked around the corner and I'm like, holy shit. It's like 6,500 people. I have never in my life tried to figure out how to get 6,500 people to laugh. Um, (laughs) I, I almost threw up again. No
0: trash can Raven almost came back.
3: <laughs> so I stepped out onto the stage, and I said, I, I stepped out on the stage, and the light comes up, and, you know, they got me on the spotlight. And that poor guy, anybody who spotlights me when I am wireless must look like Lou Ferrigno from the old Hulk movie, <laughs> you know, giant arms. Because if you're following me with a spotlight, you better have some arms on you.
2: <laughs> um, and a, to and work a back brace. It's a workout. <laughs>
1: But anyway, no, it's like so, popeye uh, it's a guy that looks just looks like popeye big forearms. Oh, yeah, and that's you know?
3: it. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah i mean because I, I don't sit still um oh, man. and you know you don't rehearse it so so they got to follow you best they can and the camera guys too because i was on a jumbotron you want to talk about looking horrible <laughs> you ever see yourself on a jumbotron and there were two of them so i got double ugly
0: well, that's but, nightmares so. for anyone honestly Oh, my
3: God. But anyway, so I, I walked out and I said, man, they didn't tell me that, that there were going to be 6,000 of you people. And they started, you know, yay. I said, you having a good time? Yay. I said, anybody know a good joke? Because I don't know if I can make you all laugh. And then I had them because they started laughing at me. <laughs>
0: nice.
3: Um, and I was terrified. I had to do an hour. And then I had to MC in between the opening band and the headliner. Uh, yes. When I first went out on stage, guys, I was terrified, and and I think people don't understand that no matter how much you do it, um, you have to get over that nervousness every time you step out in front of a crowd because you don't know what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes they'll make it easy for you, and sometimes they won't. But uh, you know, I, I, I joked about one of my podcasts. I was out here recording one of my last podcasts, and I had crickets going in the background. I have been in clubs where people were so drunk I might as well have had crickets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right you've dealt with people as crickets before
3: <laughs> but
0: uh so you know i i
3: just uh you know my history is what it is you know you'll have to go back and listen to some of it but you know i i went through the dark night of the soul and i, I was trying to find various things now i've been lucky though like i, I was out in california when uh, jordan maxwell brought david ikey into the country the first time
1: Oh, see, you know, and, uh, I, I was remember for a coffee that. Shop. I remember that. I'm glad you said that. It was Maxwell who brought Ike over here? It's very good. I well, I was looking for a coffee
3: wanted. shop, and I saw a sign that said "David Ike free today," and uh, coffee was discounted. And I thought, what the hell? You know, it looked like a good crowd for me. And yes. I went in, and, and I listened to David Icke for an hour and a half. I got to talk to Jordan Maxwell for about 15 or 20 minutes. And I thought, man, this dude is either start Raven, Lunatic, or I need to look into this.
0: Right. Is that how you kind of – I'm sorry. I don't know if we covered it already because of my technical issues. But is that kind of how you started to, like, wake up to see? <laughs> you know,
3: it, it, my – there she went again, daggone it. Um, oh, damn. She got to ask me a question, though. No, honest to goodness truth. The first things that got me started was way back when they had these books that were uh, amazing mysteries books, and uh, uh, I
1: think I might remember what was the other one. It was like
3: amazing mysteries and in search of books came out, and uh, you know it had the it had. the Ogopogo and, and the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and UFOs and aliens and all kinds of stuff that you'd never seen any, you know, like the dinosaur that was seen in the jungle down in Africa, you know, in the seventies. <laughs> um, so th- all these little books came out and they were only like maybe a hundred pages, you know? And, uh, there wasn't, they really didn't answer any questions, but they asked a lot of questions and, you know, nobody else was.
1: So that's like what really the, got
3: what got me started. It was know? like
1: the weird type of books that you'd see, like, you know, this is back in the day, you know, oh, yeah. uh, where, that you'd see like when you go to like your dentist office, like with like mixed
3: up with the highlight books. <laughs> I
2: remember
3: Go back to, go back to the 1970s, you know, cause that's when yeah. I really got started. And then, and then I came across, I got to give him credit. I came across Eric Von Donaghan, um, chariots of the gods. Oh, And he, uh, he, he never really answered any questions, but he pointed out all these anomalies and he asked all these questions that I had never heard before. So, I mean, I was started, I, I, as soon as I could read and understand what I was reading and read fast, I was hooked. Um, I read almost, uh, I read like 80% of my high school library. I read like 70% of my public library and then I started going to the university libraries. Um, you know, it, it just, once I could read, I, I was hooked. Um, so it, it it wasn't like, well, I could read, but I couldn't remember. So that, you know, that sucked. But once I could read, speed read, and then remember everything, man, I was ready to go. Um, so I got started early as a young teen. It was like all these things. And then you had In Search Of On TV with Leonard Nimoy.
2: Oh, I God, I remember playlist. that.
3: I have that playlist on my YouTube channel. Um,
1: You know what? I think I've actually, you know what's funny? Is that when I, I don't know if I'm following you now with this account, but I think I have actually like uh, sometimes at night I normally go onto YouTube and I'll just find something either interesting or just brainless and, you know, smoke and and pass out or whatever, you know, until I get tired (laughs) and then I shut it off. I think I've literally put on your playlist of that when I was, Hat was following you with one of my YouTubes that wasn't banned. I think I'm, I'm almost positive that I've literally played your your actual playlist of that. Because well, you know, I and, couldn't and, find and that 70, many of them, and you had a fuck ton of them.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the thing about my YouTube playlists are... Folks, I've been at this for 40-plus years, reading and researching and traveling, and I've sat down at fires with tribal people in different parts of the world because of the job I had. So I, I've got... <laughs> I've got a global sense of, of what I'm looking at, but the nice thing about the playlist that I have, like I got Manley Hall, I got Rudolf Steiner, I've got uh, uh, Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Um, I've got so many things on my YouTube playlist that if you played them at two or three X speed and just listened to them, you could catch up with a lot of the knowledge that I have fairly quickly, which is not an option that we had in the seventies and eighties and nineties. Uh,
1: you know what I think is really interesting and... It's cool that you brought this up. Even like that Leonard Nimoy show, or even if you go back to uh, Carl Sagan, I think he had like a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. too. You know, if if you were to look at not so much of like their beliefs, but what they were, the topics that they were at least acknowledging and trying to explain what they thought, Mm because I still think some of them talked in code, so you can't totally... Really understand what they're saying anyway, but I even think it's like the stuff that they're talking about or kind of looking at or, or the ideas that they're bringing up really is the same shit all these shows and these podcasts and conspiracy theorists are doing now, just in a different way, mm-hmm. especially even mm-hmm. when it comes to occultism. It's just oh, they're yeah. just doing it in a different way back then.
3: Well, you know, it's more of I scientific. I have been asked, and it is actually in one of my podcasts. But uh, somebody asked uh, what order I was in, and I don't know why they think, for some reason, that I was in an order. You know, like Golden Dawn or OTO or Shriners, or I- I've never been an actual sworn initiated member of any order, y'all. I, I just want to point that out to folks right now.
1: Yeah. I knew well, I now know. I
3: have I have worked lockstep with a couple of orders that most people don't even know about. And I did name them in one of my podcasts, so I don't have any problems with naming them now. So if you want to try to look them up and find them, you're more than welcome. <laughs> one of them is called, one of them is called the order of the hidden Valley mystics. Now that's the English translation. It's orduro Vallis mysticae. All right. Did I say that clear enough? Yeah. New yeah. York.
1: Yes, you
3: did. It's Orduro Vallis say, all right? And the other one that you're going to find is Orduro Templare say. Those are the only two orders I have ever worked with in my whole life. They are the only two orders that I would ever work with in my whole life. And as far as I know, the Vallis say are probably very few and far between left anymore. Um, but I have not been a member of Golden Dawn. I, I, I've I, researched them, um, like the Knights Templar and well, the modern Knights Templar and Rosicrucians and things like that. But I am not a sworn or initiated member of any order. And the only one that I would have ever sworn loyalty to, and I haven't in an, in an oath as far as my silence on some things, was the uh, Orduro Valis Mystice. So I think that will answer the question openly for everybody. Right. Um, I don't hide shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Why, why not? That's, that's like, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. <laughs> don't, there's no reason in hiding it. That's like, I don't want to get into it, but that's just some issues that I have. It's like, you know, even saying somebody's into occultism isn't necessarily saying they're bad. It's just if you're not going to come out and admit it, then like, what the fuck? What? Why? Why will you not do? Well, that you thing?
3: know. So like, yeah. Why me, hide it? Me, why hide it? It's
1: just come out and admit it. You know.
3: Yeah. Well, let me let me go to you know the esoteric libraries that I were in that I was in were there was a there was a Rosicrucian one, there was a, a Shriner a Shriner esoteric library, but several of the libraries that I was in were were one of those two orders that I just said. Um, why? Because I was doing research for him and in exchange for that, I was allowed 24 hour a day access for seven days in each library. Now you think about somebody who can read three to 500 pages an hour. He can speak in 9 BC and Deutsch, français, italiano. I know Latin, German, French and English and Spanish. So you think about the, the scribes, the Jesuits who scribed and rewrote books, and then put them into print. I have a very, very, very good uh, advantage over most people when it comes to uh, esoteric and occult literature.
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask those those languages that you learned. I, I would think if you wanted to be able to maybe read a, a, a good variety of her like occult or her whatever type of a, books like that. Those languages would probably be like preferable. You
3: know? Well, you know, i I compared uh, i compared a uh, a transcribed Spanish uh, tome to a German tome, and and I got a very different meaning from from the two of them in, in a lot of places. So being able to being able to do multiple languages is an advantage
2: oh, yeah. if
3: you're doing that kind of research. Um. So, so, you know, there's, there's another thing. Once I learned how to read, um, speed read, then it was just so easy for me to pick up foreign languages. Um, that's wild. so, you know, there's, there's that too. Um, you know, I learned German by reading the English, German, German, English dictionary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I can see that though. I mean, I did. Damn, that's funny though to do it that way.
3: I read through the dictionary four times and I could, I could speak functionally. And then after about the sixth or seventh time of reading through it and being in and out of Germany several times and working with German units, um, dealing with biological issues, um, my German got pretty good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. See, I would think like, uh, German, now what, what was the other languages you said you spoke besides
3: Italian? The first language that I learned was Latin. Okay. Yeah. See that. And then Spanish. That'd be great. And then Spanish. And then French, and then German, and then Portuguese.
1: Yeah, the Latin, the French, and the, uh, and the German probably help a lot with uh, trying to get into or understand other people's takes on occult a, a science.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and the other thing, too, people need to understand is I I coined a term. I love the English language because you can create your own terms. I am an occultologist. (laughs) I am in the field of occultology. I study hidden things.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's
1: yeah. I mean, that's that's a really good point. Uh, Occult doesn't always mean it's bad. It's just something that's not seen. Well, and the other
3: thing too is, is, is I say it all the time in my podcast and I'll say it right here, right now. I am a mystic Gnostic. And a lot of people have have said, Oh, Oh, you're an agnostic. No, you need to understand the difference. First of all, I am a mystic. That's what I am. That's what I will always be. The second part of that is Gnostic. There is no a in front of it. So it does not mean that I do not believe in a creator. It does not believe that I do not believe in a higher consciousness than all of us. It's just that I am a gnostic. I realize the illusion that we live in. All right.
1: <laughs> it's funny that those are the only, uh, and that, you know, I hate to even like even toss a label on myself of you know, what I am, but, uh, like, I think all four of us at one point were saying mystics and like that, I, that I can easily say, and I sometimes, you know, will also say I I could see being a little bit of a Gnostic because I, I guess predisposed to that with the OTO anyway. So
3: what is a mystic? A mystic is someone who studies symbology, esoteric and occult. That is what a mystic is Mm -hmm. by definition studies. So I, I'm a mystic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have to do that just to, for my podcast. I guess I technically would have to be a mystic just to do some of the shows that we do. You exactly. Know <laughs> just point out stuff. Yeah. That's funny.
3: But you know, I, I, I took, I took a lot of time off, you know, um, my wife passed in 2006 and, uh, I, I was just done, dude. I, I, I was mentally and emotionally and physically toast. <laughs> so, uh, I had been at it. Oh, boy. Well, it
1: looks like we lost you, too. Been oh, oh, there we go. You still there? Yeah, yeah, we lost you for a second. Sorry about that.
3: I don't know what happened there. Let me yeah. check my head. Uh, I don't know how that dialed through. That was weird. But anyway... uh. You know, you I had to start done the corporate that all over. crimes in the early '90s. I had talked about the uh, the Superfund sites where the companies had just dumped their shit and made us pay to clean it up. Um, I talked about Evergreen, which was Cheney's company that polluted the whole Colorado River and then just changed its name to a different company so it could get out of paying for it. You know, oh. I had I had I had been at that stuff for you know 14 years and nobody listened. I I, I was done. <laughs> um,
1: well, back then, you'd probably even be considered more of a cool, too. Or they'd say, like, oh, you're just trying to profit off of a fucking crazy story, even if you weren't trying to sell anything.
3: Well, you know, I had the documentation. I, I had uh, the corporation papers where they had just changed from one sub-corporation to another sub-corporation to get out of paying the fines and cleaning up. Um, you know, I, I had... I had all this stuff, all the evidence and and it's, it's, it's even worse today with the way that the television, you know, hypnotizes and programs people Um, back then you could show them the, show them the data and show them the paperwork and, and do a presentation of gratuity. And you might sway some people today, as long as they're in front of the television and that thing is hypnotizing and programming them, I could give them a stack of papers the size of Manhattan Island and they would still say I was a conspiracy theorist-, theorist and didn't know what I was talking about. Um,
1: you know what's funny? Just then, with, just with like, what you said, like, uh, like, the documentation of, like, you know, businesses and stuff like that. Just if someone knew how to use Bizopedia and you just kind of, like, knew, like, what you were looking for, like, when you start looking at documentation of businesses, just that itself. Like, I could easily go on Bizopedia and probably show money laundering or some sort of crime just with documentations of companies being formed. Like, yeah. you'd be surprised. You know, there's a, there's, that stuff, uh, you can find out a lot of stuff when you start digging into shit like that.
3: Went out. If anybody is still on the, the chat rooms, man, if you got a question, send them to us. I, I'm sure. more than happy to answer questions. I, I'm i really trying to get to the point where I can do a live stream and actually just answer questions for people. But um, you guys are more than welcome to ask questions. I am oh, more than happy to answer. I
1: did have one before, and I forgot to ask. Uh, Helen also had it. I don't know why. Uh, have you been to Porton down in England? I don't know what
3: the I, don't I have been why. through a lot of places in England. Uh, Manchester. Um uh Liverpool. Um I'm trying to think of some of the other places that I've been. Um I didn't get to go to Rosalind Chapel, which I really wanted to back when I was over there. Um, you know, Rosalind Chapel, the, the Knight Templar place.
1: Oh, okay. No, I'm um, actually not sure of that
3: place. But uh I I've traveled around England. Um I did not go to Stonehenge because I happen to be one of the people know that knows that they rebuilt it. It's not what it used to be. <laughs> Um,
1: you know, I've heard of that before w- That it actually uh,
3: I wasn't even, There was
1: more stuff to it I wasn't it, even interested right? that Stonehenge- Well, in
3: 1957 In 1957, they built Stone Hands Complete with concrete bases And uh, I, I'm not interested You know, they rebuilt that site I have no idea what they've done to it But it's obviously not what it used to be So I wasn't interested um, Just wasn't yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've traveled around London and, uh, um, I've been to like Manchester, beautiful country up there where, where General Lee lives, the lake. And the, back when I was there, it wasn't as crowded as it is now, but it was a nice, it was a nice refuge for me when I was on vacation. I needed a place where I could just kind of wind down. Um, I'm trying to think Liverpool was awesome cause they still had a lot of new bands that were just, you know, grunge down in the, down in the cellars. It was great. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I, I've been to, I've been to Germany and Italy and Greece. I've been to France and Spain. I've been to England. I, I spent a little bit of time in, uh, Prague, but only because I had to. How um, was Prague? No to you all. Huh?
1: How was Prague? I, I've heard that that place is a very weird Weird area. It, it was
3: very very odd. It was a very very odd place. Um,
1: like a lot of like uh, like probably like a very dark town <laughs> or area. I don't know. It's kind of. It like had a very country. heavy.
3: It had a very heavy uh, feel to it. But I met some locals, and we just had a blast. Um, they were so fantastic. I got to thank them for that. Um, it was probably one of the most. Uh, I wouldn't want to go there now because of all the violence that 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 is people don't know about. But I mean, there's like bombs and shit going off in Prague all the time now. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be there now. But it was a beautiful place when I was there in the 90s. Um,
1: like, I've even heard stuff from, like, uh, the movie Hostel, like, goes on around there. <laughs> I don't no, know how I true that no, is. I,
3: I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, uh, with the influx of violent refugees, quote-unquote, um, let's call them what they are, violent immigrants, um, and the culture clash and, the, and the, uh, the religious clash. I mean, when you do something like that to your own country, what do you expect the results to be? You know, you're not going to get an, an incorporation of these people. They're not going to incorporate into your society. They're going to set, set up a second society within your country. And if you try to put these, these so divergent people in one neighborhood, bad things are going to happen. Um it's not hard to it's not hard to figure out.
1: And then what other places have you been to? Uh
3: I I I went a wall in India. <laughs> I was actually on a uh, I was actually on a biological uh, crew that went to India and uh we finished what we were doing as far as the uh, <laughs> work and I literally hopped on a train and vanished for 3 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I took a train north, as far north as I could, and then I took a a ride in some guy's old truck, and then then on a a buggy pulled by this weird-looking horse thing, and uh, I wanted to go to a temple that hardly anybody knew about. And when I got there, it was so weird because the monks, when I walked up to the door, four monks walked out, and one of them says, I speak English. Now, how the fuck did they know I was coming?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Excuse <laughs> my language. Yeah, you don't That's people. so wild.
0: Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah, there you are. Okay, I'm back. I'm so sorry. I don't know
3: what. Oh is no, happening. dear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. you no. to get to ask me more questions. It's Hot Mess well,
0: Express over here. <laughs> I have,
3: guys. I have I have time. So if you want to go, I'm willing oh, to really? go. If you guys have the yeah. time. Um, but you know, I went to India, and I, I I had made plans in advance that I was going to escape my escorts. And I was going to go to this temple that very few people knew about. And when I got there, now, you guys got to understand, I had to ride a train. I sit on top of a damn train for three days. <laughs> Not in it, <laughs> on it. <laughs> yeah, I was on top of the train with chickens and about 400 other people sitting on top of one car. <laughs> so I think there was a pig up there with us, too. Um, I'm totally picturing that. <laughs> That's hilarious. And we, we had fun. We had fun, you all. The people that, they said, you don't, I said, no. Where are you from? And I told them that I was from here, and they're, like, looking at me. I said, you got to understand, though, I'm, I'm what they call an American Indian. And, and all of a sudden, it was okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. And uh, I told one of the old guys what I was wanting to do. And he when we got off the train, he put me on a truck with somebody that he knew going that direction. And the roads up there are scary. <laughs> Oh,
0: Raven, I do have anyway, a question. Like on a cliffside and like super tight. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Raven, I um, do have a, a question for you. I don't want to forget to yeah. ask. Uh, have you ever been to, I'm probably going to screw this up, Renée uh, La Chateau in southern France?
3: La Chateau? Yeah, the but Rennes it says Renée or something like that. Ren, it's Ren. It's Ren La
1: Chateau. Uh, R-E-N-N-E-S? So.
3: Yeah, Rin's Ren's La Chateau. Yeah. No, I have not managed to get there. But I did I did get to the uh, the uh, property of uh, the count vicomte, which is really funny because vicomte is count, mm-hmm. and they call him count count. What's what's that? Oh, what's that's up with funny. That?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> See, I do know French. I don't say it very very well anymore because I haven't spoken it for very long. But his name is Count Vicomte, which is count, count count. Now, how how How's the,
0: the count? hell is that? That's like something out of Sesame um, Street. Haven't, I
1: mean, yes.
3: I've heard, and
1: I don't know, I think I've heard it from Maxwell, actually. I don't know how truthful it is, but I think he has even said, depending on what language you're using, saying Jesus Christ or whatever, somewhere in the, like, his name, would be repeating the same word over and over again, actually.
3: Oh, yeah. So that's, oh, that's oh, yeah. weird here. But uh, the, the Becomes Mansion I went to because uh, I wanted to see the library that was there, and they were giving tours and uh, I got thrown out because I picked up a book.
0: <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Too late for them, though, because I read very, very fast. I was going to say, and did I, you speed read it
0: before you put it back?
3: <laughs> <clears throat> well, I, I, had, I had about three-quarters of it read before they caught me, so um, that was my whole purpose in going to there is because they said that he had a tome that I could not find anywhere else in Europe, and uh, I I plotted. You know, see, that's how I am, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that he supposedly had the book, and when we went on the tour of that library, I was looking for it. And as everybody walked off, I just kind of stood there and looked at the books like I was interested, and then I grabbed that book and started flipping pages as fast as I could go.
0: Oh, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> Clever.
3: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sneaky that way. But no, I, in India, I ended, up, I ended up days, days, days north days of where I was supposed to be. And uh, I walked up to the gate of the monastery, and four monks walked out, and one of them looked at me, and he says, I speak English. Um, I have no idea how they knew I was coming, or at least back then I didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or did they, they see you approaching expecting... and figured you're American, maybe?
3: Well, no. They had been expecting me for about three or four days, but we got caught in a rainstorm and couldn't make the pass over the mountain. So uh, we had to wait for the storm to, to, to subside before I could get around that little section of roadway. Um, so, you know, people want to think that these supernatural things don't exist. But how did the old monk know that I was on my way <laughs> and actually have preparations made for me when I got there? Um, when I got back down to my crew in Southern India, I got put out of the country and was not allowed, allowed back in for another year.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah.
3: Well, no, I mean, I, I, had, I had violated the rules. I was supposed to be escorted in within a certain zone and, and I intentionally left that zone without telling anybody and did what I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, it was a year before I could go back to India. My my bosses were not happy. My contractors were not happy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, but it was so worth it. wait, did I miss anything, Raven, about your native heritage?
3: No.
0: Uh, did we talk about I that? haven't
3: really even talked about it much.
0: Oh, okay. So you know, um, I know you're well traveled, obviously. But like how has your native heritage like influenced your beliefs? Well, you know,
3: I was raised by my great-grandmothers, mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, And for people who have not heard this, my great-grandmothers were born in 1889 and 1891. They were the first generation of Cherokee after they were removed from North Carolina and taken to Oklahoma. They were the first children born Mm -hmm. out there.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: So, you know... They had, they, they were the first generation of the trauma of being separated from their home. Yes. Uh, I don't know any other way to say that, but it, my advantage is, is that I have all the traditional things that they knew and were raised with, uh, handed to me when I, you know, they lived to be over a hundred years old.
0: Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So I grew,
3: I grew up with them, um, so I, I got all the traditional stuff from them and the Irish side. I don't want. I don't want to cut out the Irish side of my family. But you know, when you talk about Usti, the little people, when you talk about the spiritual beings that are around you, when you talk about the uh, the great mystery, the, the Creator. Um, so yeah, I have a I have a heavy heavy influence from Native American traditions that are over 150 years old you know, it, before they were all warped and changed and bought off and paid off and worked away in, you know, the uh, military schools and the, the Catholic schools. And um, my great grandmother on one side was in one of the Catholic slash military uh, education camps for kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, it was so terrible. She, yeah, she was yeah. so it was so terrible that she ran away and worked as a sweatshop seamstress in Oklahoma City to stay out of that school.
0: I've heard about that. Here in Canada, we have a very dark history with that, the residential schools.
3: Um, Well, yeah, and they found how many hundreds of bodies underneath them schools?
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's some controversy around that. I'm not sure. Uh, Like I was researching it when it first kind of was coming out. Recently, um, I mean, that's been an issue for a long time, but I looked into it more sincerely recently. And there some people were saying, you know, a lot of communities did use mass graves back then in general. So oh, it's yeah. not like...
3: Well, and the other thing, too, that we have to think know. about with some of these mass graves, and we have to be realistic. Some of mm-hmm. these mass graves, we had two huge flus that went around in the late 1800s and in the early 1900s right. that could have wiped out a lot of children very quickly because of the way that they were housed. Mm-hmm. So you know we have to be realistically there, but but then we also have the stories of abuse. Like my great grandmother, yes. my great grandmother told me never to go into a Catholic church mm-hmm. until I was old enough to defend myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's intense for sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. like,
3: Hun, and she says they do they do bad things to people. Oh wow. Um. So I I was raised with that understanding. Uh huh. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, my other great grandmother, she, she jumped on a railroad track, uh, a railroad train. And that's where she met my, as a teenager, she escaped the school, jumped on a train and the engineer ended up being my grandfather, my great grandfather.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That's a, ro- that's a romantic story.
3: <laughs> you know, she escaped the school and, and ran into my great grandfather and, and they got married and, and that's, uh, he, he was the first Irish person, uh, introduced into the family.
0: Wow. It's amazing. And
3: uh, so, I mean, you know, I have some amazing stories from them. You know, my great grandmother on the other side, her brothers were Indian marshals out in Oklahoma and people forget how things have changed over the last hundred years. Um, two of her brothers were shot dead in the, in the main street of Oklahoma city in a gunfight in 1906.
0: Oh, wow.
3: Yeah. They were Indian marshals. They were, they were trying to, to uh, capture some, some criminals that had been rustling cattle and stealing supplies and they were with uh, military marshals. And they literally had a gunfight right in the middle of Oklahoma City in 1906. And I think you can still find the article from the Oklahoma newspaper.
2: That's crazy. Um, I, found a,
3: I found it years ago. But uh, that article was about my great-grandmother's brothers.
2: <laughs>
0: wow.
3: Um, so... I'm very lucky in the fact that I I had all that history, you know? Um, How many people do you know that can chase their family living family back to the 1890s?
0: Um,
3: I I was sitting in a room as a child with two women who were born in the 1890s, 1880s, 1890s.
0: Like I know my great grandparents were born around then also, but I never spent a significant amount of time with them, you know? Yeah. And
3: my family's really divergent. I had, I had, uh, still living. I had my great grandmothers who went through the great depression in world war one and world war two. I had my grandparents who, who on one side were, it was really weird the way my family was subdivided because of age, but I had uh, a grandfather who served in the Navy in world war two. And then I had a grandfather and some uncles from a grandfather on the other side and uncles from, from the other side that were Korean veterans and then they were so spread out that I actually had some uncles that were Vietnam veterans. Um, you know, there was like 25 years between my oldest uncle and my youngest.
0: <laughs> oh, wow.
3: Um, so I had, a, I had a, an amazing upbringing um, even for the time that it was, but the, the na- the native thing, I, I got the traditional stories. Um, and I'll share one with folks real quick is uh, it's called the beware, the pretty snake, uh, a native hunter goes out through the mountains in the fall and he's trying to get a uh, game, you know, and he, he comes across the trail and there's this little itty bitty snake and it's just beautiful. It's scales are shiny and it looks like shining rainbows, you know, and the snake is sitting there on the on a branch and, and it looks up at the hunter and it says, Hey Hunter, the hunter's like, Oh, you're a snake. Snakes don't talk. And he goes, "Ah, oh, snakes talk. You just don't listen. He says, I'll make you a deal. If you bring me some meat, I'll shake off some of these scales for you. And, uh, your wife can make jewelry out of it and you'll have a really good winter. You can trade them. And the Indian's like looking at him and he's like, man, I don't, I don't trust snakes, but he he goes on and he hunts and he gets a couple rabbits and he comes back and the snake is sitting there and he's been thinking about it the whole time he's been out. So what he does is he just chops off a leg of a rabbit and gives it to the snake. The snake shapes off some scales. He takes them home to his wife and she makes beautiful jewelry and they have a fantastic winter. The next spring he goes out and he's already thinking about the snake. He goes out and and just right in the same spot. Here's a snake. But now the thing is like, you know, five, six feet long. And it says, Hunter, I'm bigger now, but, but it's still hard for me to get food. And he says, look how big my scales are now. You bring me some food and I'll give you some of these and you guys will do good all year. And the hunter, man, he's all hyped up now because he knows how good the winter was. He goes hunting. He gets a deer, and he comes back, and he chops off one of the deer's legs and chops up the meat and gives it to the snake, and the snake shakes off his scales. And, man, they have a phenomenal summer all the way into fall. It's hunting season again. The hunter goes out, and he's already thinking about finding that snake because of how good it's been for him and his family. He starts up over the ridge, and he goes to step over a log, and the log moves. And when it does, it glimmers and it shimmers in the light. And he's like, oh, uh, what, what? And it kind of lifts him up. And when he looks up, the snake is looking down at him. And the snake says, when you get something, you'll bring it to me. And if you don't, I will eat you and your family. The whole moral of the story is, is beware the pretty snake. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. I like that.
3: These are the things that I was raised with, you all.
0: <laughs> Those are some good stories, good, good bedtime stories for kids, honestly. My boys would be into that. <laughs>
3: you know, it's a... It's, uh, the
1: snake and even the rainbow stuff. That's what
0: I was raised with.
3: Oh, yeah. And, and you notice that, that the story, the snake is a rainbow. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. Look at that, eh? Oh, wow.
3: But, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, this is the things that I was raised. These are the bedtime stories I got when I was little, you know, mm-hmm. um, there were things that my grandmother told me, she says, look, it, it, you need to remember this. It may not make any difference for a long time, but when you're old, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, when you're old, it'll matter. And you know, when you're a teenager, you just kind of like shrug it off. And now I'm, you know, going on closer to 60 and I'm like, damn, I wish I have wrote this stuff down.
0: Mm. <laughs> Well, it's amazing that you got to spend that time with your great grandmothers and stuff. And now you can pass that like on to your kids too, right?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, my great grandmother was, my my one was born in 1889 and I was married and in my twenties when she died. Mm. So, I mean, you know, you talk about a long life. Um, I'll tell you another funny story. My grandma Kiefer told me she, uh, she says, I remember my dad used to have to take the draft horses out and pull the cars down through the mud. And she remembered seeing her first car. <laughs> I remember her telling me that one afternoon I was a teenager. She goes, "I can remember when I saw my first car."
2: Oh
3: wow! Y'all, my 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 jaw, my jaw was on the table. I was like, "Your first car?" You know, I'm talking about in the '70s, now late '70s. Your first car? And she goes, "Oh yeah, I remember the first time I saw a car." I was like, "Oh my god!" And what did she
0: say about it?
3: <laughs> um, it was stuck in the mud. You know, they were just rut roads at the time. They really didn't Mm. have roads. It was stuck in the mud, and and they had to have her dad take his draft horses down and pull it to town.
0: So the car needed the horses still. That's amazing. Yes.
3: Yes. (laughs) Isn't that funny?
0: That is funny.
3: You know, when I I was young, I remember there were still a few Model T trucks around that people were using on farms because they were still good cars. They were still good trucks. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we we still we still had uh, we had still had Angus Schmidt and and he had uh, draft horses Percherons that we used to pull logs out of the woods until I was a teenager. Um, so I grew up at a time when things were transitioning, you know.
0: Yeah, you've seen a lot of transition over your life for sure.
3: Well, like and, and and then I think about my great grandmothers, you know, from the from the eighteen hundreds, mm-hmm. late eighteen hundreds through the nineteen hundreds. Holy moly! Yes. Uh-oh um but you know there are good things and bad things think about it this if, if it wasn't for the technology we have now I'd have never met you two uh true right? but at the same but at the same time they use this technology to more or less mimic us duplicate us um uh, it's really really strange how how <clears throat> the duality of the of the technology is
0: yeah it's a double-edged sword for sure right
3: yeah. Well, you know.
2: It, yeah,
1: it, it I always say you. that it's like we're using the shit that's fucking us, in this, you know, we're using it mm-hmm. to try to oh, yeah. get out the truth. The tech, but the technology is also screwing us up in the, in the same sense, you know.
3: Oh yeah. Well, you know, look what Teresa's had to go through today just to try to stay on with us, you know. <laughs> right. But you know, I, I got to go back and, and say, you know, I, I lost my wife in 2006. Um, now that's the second time I'd been widowed in my life. Um, when I was a teenager, I was way too young to be doing it, but I had a daughter and uh, I had an amazing, amazing young lady. Um, and you know our memories always get colored over time. Mm-hmm. but uh, we were going to get married um, because she was pregnant. and uh, she uh, overdosed right after the baby was born. She had been clean for she'd been clean for quite a long time and you know that's that first hit back killed yeah. her. So left me with a, left me as a teenage male with a baby.
2: <laughs>
3: wow. Um, the, the greatest gift. And then, uh, I was widowed again before I was 40. Oh.
0: <laughs> wow. Um,
3: so I, I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, it, you learn things from these things, you know, the first one, the first one almost destroyed me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had, I had a, a little girl, um, you know, an anchor, I guess for lack of a better thing because when nothing else worked, she did. Well,
0: um, and the thing is with little ones, you do, you can't stop. You have to take care of them, right? Well,
3: I had a lot of help. I got to give her grandmother and grandfather credit because they knew that I just couldn't handle it. And, uh, um, her grandmother and grandfather, not, not my folks, um, her mother's folks um helped me raise a very very amazing young lady and uh then uh I I was widowed again and that's when I just quit y'all um when when my second wife passed I I just uh I was done (laughs) I, I was emotionally mentally and physically just burnt um so I I just quit everything. I quit doing uh, books. I quit doing tours. I quit doing comedy and I just went into hiding until, you know, 2019, 2020 people started, you know, contacting me saying, Hey, what do you think? And then, you know, off we go. go. (laughs) Yeah. So we
0: really, we really did drag you out of retirement for real. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you you need that push, right? Like those are, those are, terrible things that happen to you. Well, you need that push to like get you, well, you going. You want to hear the
3: irony? The yeah. irony is, is one of my old guys from, from the uh, subcontract tracking unit out in Washington, sent me the uh, photographs from China. And then they sent me some other information that were satellite images. So that'll tell you how con- connected they still are. And I said, you either have a riot or an outbreak. One of the two, what is that building right there in the middle of that picture? And of course we found out that that was the lab. And uh, immediately I, I get contacted by somebody else and I started doing the research and I found out, you know, that it was here and it was here in October of 2019. We had college students and high school students that got severe flu in October of 2019. They got over the flu and then they died from a heart attack. So it was already here. Y'all still with me?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Yes. Um, it
3: was already here in 2019. Um, we had college students that had really bad severe flu and around Halloween of 2019, um, one of them was found in his, in his, uh, uh, frat house. One of them was found in his dorm room. There was a couple of girls that were in fantastic college athletes that had severe flu and had, had actually went home from university because they were so sick and then they were found dead. Um, we had a 15 year old here. We had a 15 year old here in North Carolina, At Christmas time, I feel so bad for her family. She was a cheerleader, an athlete, fantastically in great shape. She had such severe flu that they put her in the hospital. She got better. She got home. A couple days later, she wasn't feeling good. They went to take her to the doctor's office. She had a heart attack and died before they could get her into the doctor's office. Oh, my God. So it was here already. And that's what got me fired up. And that's what got me started doing interviews and, and stuff like that. Um, people contacted me because they knew of my background and they wanted to know what the heck I had found. Um, yeah, and I'm going to tell just, people. I'm going to tell people again, just in case they get mad at me. I don't really give a rat's ass. I can tell you right now that the Japanese and the North, the East Indian National Institutes of Health not only charted but mapped every protein sequence in this thing. I'm not going to say it out loud. And I have actually looked at the 35,000 lines of protein sequences from both of those to do a comparison. So if you don't think that this thing has been sequenced and, and doesn't exist, you're wrong. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, i a matter fact, that before, yes. As a matter
3: of fact, that's how I knew in January 16th – well, actually by January 3rd, but the first interview I did was the 16th of January of 2020 – by January third, I knew that it had an HIV protein sequence in a in three key strapping points. That's how they put mm-hmm. the SARS and the mm-hmm. coronavirus together. It was with an HIV strap. All right. Yes. Um, I didn't say it out loud. What it? What? It, I, I'm not going to say the other thing. But folks, <laughs> it has been sequenced, or or I would not know what was in it. Okay.
0: Right. So it does exist.
3: Yes. Yes. Now, like many many other things. When it gets loose, it will become less lethal. Why? Because that particular pathogen doesn't want you dead. It wants to spread. Mm-hmm. And it knows if it kills you, you know, I hate to give it a, a mentality and it's in a mind, but they are sequentially, a, you know, they variate because the ones that kill you quick don't get to spread. The ones that don't kill you get to spread all over the place. Right. Um, so, you know, people can say what they want. You know, I spent 18 and a half years being trained in biological, chemical and atomic things. So, you know, the fact that I sit down and went through 35 lines of 35,000 lines of protein sequences, but using two different phones. All right. That's all I, had. I didn't have a computer.
0: I had one phone.
3: I had one phone screen and another phone screen. And I was doing line by line comparisons. Okay. Wow.
0: Well, with this is and the thing though, Raven. You have all these special skills over the years that you know teachers thought you're failing classes and this and that. But it actually, was the greatest gift to serve us and you now. You know? Oh, yeah.
3: You know, um, people. Right. People. You know, this this show is supposed to be about overcoming adversity. You know, um, folks. I, I, abused as a kid in all kinds of ways. Neglect was the worst. Neglect mm-hmm. was the absolute worst. Um, that's how I, I come to be under the care of my great grandmothers, thank goodness. And my grandparents, um, and then, uh, dyslexia, somebody taught me how to speed read, um, what's the odds. Um, and then, uh, the variations of, of being in different places and meeting different people, which was purely accidental. I actually wanted to go into the military and I wanted to do, to do what I was doing, but the military said, no, we're not doing that. And I had to go to a private company.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so I became a private contractor, which allowed me to get into more places and meet more people directly. Um, and then, uh, you know, just accidental meetings like, uh, running into David Ikey uh, first time he was in the country in the eighties. Yeah. Um, a lot of times you, you have things that, that at first don't seem like they're there of any consequence whatsoever. You see some crazy guy sitting at the coffee shop talking yeah. <laughs> and, and you listen to him and you're like, Whoa, what, uh, huh? What, uh, man, that don't make no damn sense. What the hell is he talking about? 20 years later, you find a piece of paper that, you know, a FOIA request or something like that. And you're like, Holy crap. He knew what he was talking about 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, people like to discount things that don't make any difference today. But, you know, 10 years from now, you might come across something that you're like, oh, wait a second. I've heard that before. Who was that? You know, and it, it, back to what New York was saying. I remember that guy. What was his name? I I, I know I saw him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's, it's uh, that's part of the reason why, folks, I don't do the video because where I'm at, I just don't have service to do it. Um, oh well, that's why I was I even telling
1: Teresa now. I said, just shut off the video, and you'll probably be yeah. fine. And that's
2: you know working now. But yeah, but, yeah. But
3: it's not that I it's not that I don't want you to see me. It's just that I don't have service to carry it. And the other thing too is it's a lot easier for people to listen as they're working, as they're driving, as they're raking their yard. You can plug me in and listen to me, and you don't feel the need to watch. Mm. Right. I've yeah. even had that happen
1: with Lee plenty of times. I've seen him. It's just like the video will screw his shit up, and he has to shut it off. So, like, I well, even see, know from I'm that. that experience I, I live in the middle too. of
3: the mountains. I have very little service. The internet. I have tried to get Elon to get me a, a Starlink. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I have actually. I have actually, y'all. If he's going to do it, I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm just saying. Right? use that um, technology
0: but- to our advantage.
3: But where I'm at, I, I the satellite services that I can get would only give me about five gigs a month. I mean, think about that. Wow. Maybe 10 if I wanted to pay premium, which is way too expensive. Um, so the service that I have is, is what I have. So I have to do what I do without the video. Um, it's, and by the time you guys know this, by the time you download it and upload it, think about how much I'm using in data.
2: Yeah, oh, I'm just sure. gonna say you, you would
1: blow that probably so, in like a a couple shows or maybe one hour. Who
3: knows? Exactly. Yeah, one exactly.
1: <laughs> I mean the video then, the video this thing's going to create on its own before I even throw it into my shit is probably gonna be like two gigs or more already.
3: The size well, of the and and there <laughs> you go. So so if if I do a video, I'm gonna get somewhere around a gig of data with just two people. And then I have to convert that to an MP3 anyway. So now I have to run three gigs of data through my service in order to put a podcast up. Yeah. No, Whereas wild. if I don't do video with three of us on here right now, if I don't yeah. do a video, I'm going to come down. It would come down to about 450 megabytes.
1: Oh yeah. And that's like, that's so cause that's, that's like 320 KB. Yeah. That's like, yeah. Like that's like the perfect so it's MP3. easy
3: for me to handle. Yeah, yeah. It's more
0: manageable for sure. Yeah, for
3: sure. Um, so folks, it's, it's not that I don't want you to see me. It's not that I'm not hiding. <laughs> Teresa will testify that I have crazy ass hair.
0: <laughs> it's awesome. It's so great.
3: <laughs> um, I, I still have the eighties. I still have the eighties, uh, arena hair, yo. Yeah. My oh, age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it <is> um, awesome. <laughs> but you know, guys, uh, there's been a couple of things like I had an accident. I got hit and, uh, this was a few years ago. I got hit and it literally destroyed me. Um, I do not look anything like I used to. When I go to shave in the mirror, I have no idea who I'm looking at. Um, I spent about five years blown up like the Stay Puft Marshmallow, man. The joke between me and the doctor was if you're going to be in a car accident, you should be driving your own car. <laughs> I was literally oh, uh, purple and green and yellow from head to foot. Oh, no. I have four fractures in my forehead. It, it uh, broke my nose and destroyed my sinuses. I have no cheekbones. Um, it broke my jaw. It knocked out all of my top teeth and broke off a lot of my bottom ones. Broke my jaw. It broke one collarbone. Dislocated two shoulders. I, I got hit with so much pressure that it not only broke a collarbone, but it dis- dislocated both my shoulders. Wow!
2: Um, when did th- this broke th- right?
3: th- uh, This was in two thousand and. Nine,
2: oh, 10. Wow.
3: See, and, and, well, no, it might have been a little bit later than that. See, that's the other thing about that. That time period, you guys are going to dig this. I decided I was going to quit, right? In 2006, I'm not doing jack shit. I quit. That was my, y- y'all, that was my statement. I quit. Mm-hmm. Screw this. I am done. So I I, I muddled around. Um, might have been It might have been 20, 2009 or 10. But anyway, um, I had this accident. It might have been later than that. See, that's the other thing you guys are going to find really funny here in a minute. Um, but it looked like I was in a car accident and a bad rollover crash. Problem is, is when I got hit, I was not in a car. Okay. Wow. Um, I went from uh, 178 pounds to 260 pounds, and it was all inflammation from the damage to my body. Wow. Wow. Um, I was green, I was green and purple and yellow for years. My eyes looked like they were inhabited by demons because of the blood coming out of my head. It was the only way for it to leave. Um, I, uh, and, and those years are completely gone. Y'all those years after that accident were completely gone. I had a, what they call a neurological sleep apnea, the swelling at the base of my brain made it so that if I went to sleep and went into a RAM state, I would start suffocating. I wouldn't breathe.
0: Oh my God.
3: So I had dreams for years. I can tell you a million different ways to suffocate, yo. <laughs>
0: That's I'd unreal. have dreams
3: of, I'd have dreams of being underwater. People with something wrapped around my neck, uh, bag over my head, fire. I mean, just anything you can think of that would suffocate you. And what it was was my brain screaming, "Hey, wake up!" Um, I had to sleep with an alarm, so I would never be able to get to a ram sleeper. I would suffocate. Wow.
0: Um, and I, and mean? I did that for years. Yeah. I actually had you to have it. From that, how long did that take to recover?
3: Well, you know, my head was damaged. I didn't realize what was going on, or I would have went straight to a, a native medicine man, and I would have mm. got the herbs to get rid of the inflammation and the things that I needed. I would have I went to a medicine man, not not a white doctor, where I was stuck. Um, and I recovered from it in about 2014, 2015. Okay somewhere around in there
0: like five years
3: yeah yeah now you guys want to hear here's the thing I, i swore that i was done i quit i'm not doing this shit anymore um and as a result of the accident that i had getting run over by some jackass um i have no memory of those years that i quit damn none None. I don't remember where I was at. I don't remember who I was with. I don't remember what I did. I don't remember. I don't remember any of it. It's all gone. Wow. Um, So if you think that you can make a choice and this is what I'm going to do when you know better, uh, somebody's going to come around and kick your ass and tell you different. (laughs) (laughs) I have no memory. You know, my daughter died in that time. My, my oldest son, my oldest daughter and my oldest son and my grandson died in that time period. And I don't even remember my, my grandson, y'all. What? He was born. He was born and died while I was suffering from that head injury. I don't oh remember God. him at all. Wow. Um, I don't remember him at all, you folks. So if you think that you can choose something different than what you know you're supposed to be doing, I guarantee you somebody's going to come along and gob slap the shit out of you. Wow. Um. So not only did I lose those years that I said that I was not going to be doing anything, basically I lost from 2008 to 2014. I lost that many years completely gone. Nowhere in my memory. Um, parts of 2015 even. Um, but here's the interesting thing. Those were the years that I said, I'm not doing anything. I quit. (laughs) Um, and, you know, as hard as it is, like, like I said, I don't remember my grandson at all. He was born and was killed in a car accident in that time period. Um, so if you all think you have a choice, I'm here to tell you, you don't. If you know you're supposed to be doing something, I don't care if it's a podcast, writing a book, writing music, performing, doing comedy, you know, just getting, getting on the air with New York Patriot or me and, and telling your story. If you know that you're supposed to be doing it and you're not, Think about somebody like me who worked 14 years at it and then quit. Think -hmm. about what I had to pay for not doing what I knew I was supposed to be doing. Um, You know, some people say that's karma. Some people say it's whatever. But I knew that I wasn't supposed to quit. I just said, hell with it. My wife is gone. I I don't feel like doing this anymore.
0: You know what's really weird? Sorry to interrupt you. I just have like a crazy deja vu of like you saying what you're saying right now. And I literally just had to go get my laptop charger and I'm standing in my washroom <laughs> because of what's going on in my house. And I had deja vu of what, exactly what you're saying right now and where I'm standing. That's so fucking crazy. Wow, that's
3: out. So, I mean, you know, if, there is a price to pay for doing things wrong. Oh, yeah. But there's also going to be a there's also going to be a price to pay when you don't do what you what you know is is the right thing to be doing. Um, somebody is going to g- bitch slap you. Excuse my language, y'all. Somebody is going to bitch slap you in a way that you will listen.
1: Oh, especially me, if you know the difference. Yeah, for sure.
3: Yeah, me. It was a car at high speed, and I had no body armor on. <laughs> um. So.
0: Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. Um, God has crazy ways of trying to reach us, right?
3: Well, you know, whatever that energy is, whatever you want to call it, you know, I, I call it the great spirit, the great mystery. But, yeah, that, that consciousness that controls things.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And not the bad one. Not the bad one, you know.
0: Um, no, not the bad one. <laughs> Although it yeah. might seem bad at the time.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, right? yeah. But, you know, for me, it's, it's like, uh, you know, I completely lost all of that. And in the meantime, you know, I've had people steal my identity, and and not once but twice. And, you know, I don't know why they steal my identity. I, I don't have any credit. I I don't know what the what hell they're doing mean? that for.
1: That's why
2: I asked you, know, you before. Was it just like I'm random? Not help you.
3: <laughs> you know, I'm not going to help you. And besides that, people who know me know me. And you could never really truly pass yourself off as me because uh, I have some characteristics that you couldn't imitate. Trust me. Um. Mm-hmm. But, well, especially uh, if, they, you know, if
1: they, like, personally, physically know you. Yeah, too. Oh, yeah. Definitely
3: can't. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, I have some characteristics that that, that uh, you want to impersonate me, fine, but you you couldn't get by with it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I had a I, – I, I can't remember where I was at, y'all. I was somewhere, and I, I, I got pulled over, and, and they were going to arrest me because of something somebody did in, in uh, uh, Nevada, I think, Nevada or California. I said, no, wait a second do you have a description of this person? Yes, they do. And I said, all right, I'm going to prove to you right now that that's not me. And, uh, the cops right on the side of the road went, Holy shit. Can't be. I said, exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, Uh, The fact of the matter is, is there's uh, whatever, you know, it's like this crap that they've done with the Google search engines, putting all these people up who supposedly are me using my name, not me, but they use my name and they got all these people in prison for all these horrible crimes and shit in, in all parts of the country. And uh, y'all, I've been sitting right where I'm at for almost 20 years. So, um, (laughs) come on now. Oh man. You know, I try to point that out to people. I say, you know, if you think you've met me in the last 20 years, there's only two places that you would have seen me. Occasionally, I have done stand-up because I was requested to do a charity, Um, and maybe Tennessee or Georgia, but other than the three states, um, I have been nowhere, so if you have seen me, it wasn't me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I have multiple doppelgangers.
3: Oh, well, you know, that would be awful, wouldn't it?
0: <laughs> you know what? I get that all the time. People always tell me, oh, I saw you. Or I didn't." were you just at this place? And I'm like, no, it wasn't me. So, like, who who do these people think they're seeing? I don't understand.
3: Well, you know, I pointed out in my, in my podcast, you know, that I quit doing stuff in 2002 to 2006. So um, if you've seen me anywhere other than the three states that I'm really close to, Um, and generally within about a couple hundred miles of where I live, Mm -hmm. then, uh, it wasn't me. You all, (laughs) um, and, and, you know, I had somebody say, somebody sent me an email. You guys get emails. I got an email and somebody says, man, I saw you out in California in, 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 uh, 2016. And I'm like, I answered them. They answered me right back. I said, where did you say, I was given a speech in 2016 in Sacramento. Well, folks, I was doing security. I was doing security for concerts in 2016. So uh, if you happen to be one of those people who saw me giving a speech in in 2015, 2016 in California, uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) y'all.
0: Wasn't the real Raven Kiefer, (laughs) you know, like Eminem with the real Slim Shady, please stand up.
3: (laughs) It's just weird, you know, because uh, it's like, what you know, what's the purpose? Because if they sell my books, that gets paid to me. Right. Um, so I, I, I got no idea, but they, they said that they knew it was me and I was doing a, a, a speech in, inside of a, some kind of a conference in 2016. And I'm like, uh, you know, that day, I can tell you, I was doing security for, hang on a second, I was doing security for uh, the Moody Blues that day. Um, so if you all were at that conference there in 2016, I can tell you, I was doing security for Moody Blues right here where I'm at. (laughs) Um, I, you know, that's the other thing too, guys, I got to tell you, you know, I've done security through the years. Um, so I've been able to meet a lot of amazing people, um. You know, I've got a, 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 it's a dual interview you all, so don't miss the second part. I've got an interview with an old friend of mine. His name is Reverend Raven. Y'all digging that? (laughs) Did I lose you?
1: No, you, uh, I I muted myself by accident and uh, no, but we lost Teresa again.
3: Daggone it. But anyway, I got an interview coming up with a guy. His name is Reverend Raven. All right, so if y'all dig that, Reverend Reverend Raven, I I said, we're going to give people heart attacks, Raven Kiefer and Reverend Raven. Anyway, Reverend Raven, um, you guys, he's a blues musician out of Chicago, okay? And uh, the band that he's been with is called Reverend Raven and the Chain Smoking Altar Boys. (laughs) He and I have been friends for 25 years. And over 25 years, he has become a blues legend himself. Um, he would never tell you that. But um, I think it's one of the most fun interviews that I've had. I mean, I had a great time with Tommy Chong and, and other people like that. But um, Reverend Raven, he's, he's got a 25-year history, plus all the back history on blues. And, uh, you know, those things are fun for me, too. You know, I've had Teresa on, and I've had uh, Eerie Skies, and uh, curious and animus. Um, I've got these two part interview with, uh, Reverend Raven about the Chicago blues music and the history of the Chicago blues and his band. Um, I've got, uh, good gracious. I've got a bunch of other people lined up that I'm not going to name right now. Um, but you know, to me, that is as much fun as anything else that I do.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually really want to get back Tommy Chung on again. I actually really enjoy having him on. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: he's a blast. He's a lot of fun, yeah. yeah, I mean, I know he's some blast, people, are like, you know? oh, because of the p- politics, but it's like that aside, like, the guy's got plenty of other shit to talk about besides that.
3: You know, I think he's, well, you listen he's to the funny interview and he's very interesting. Listening. We didn't talk about politics.
1: Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm saying, but, you know, sometimes some shows have him on that are like that. And if you let him get into it, odds are he's not going to be saying stuff that you want to hear. But, like, I, we have him on for different reasons. I want to talk to him about oh, yeah. spirituality and shit and stuff like that. I think he's got you plenty know, of shit to say about that stuff.
3: Our, our interview was fun.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Hell yeah. And I then, had a good uh,
3: time. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people on that you guys have talked to, too. but uh, Or a few people that you guys have talked to. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm trying to spread out, and, and I want to interview. Introduce people to, to, you know, like Reverend Raven. I mean, he's, he's a legend in blues. He would never tell you that. He would talk about everybody he's ever played with, but he would never tell you about himself. You hmm. know, that's the kind of man he is. Um, but uh, he, he over 25, 30 years, he's become a legend in blues music. And uh, it's a shame people don't know about him, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
3: I'm I'm just fortunate that I met him 25 years ago when he was starting out. You know? And me and him were joking about how old we got when we saw each other on camera. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, dude. I said, well, you got gray hair. Mine's still a little bit black. <laughs> That's funny. You know, it, it, time passes, y'all. That's probably the hardest thing for people to realize. You know, you uh, might be 18 or 20 right now listening to us, but you're going to turn around and you're going to be in your 50s, if we're lucky. <laughs>
2: yeah. You'll
3: be in your 50s and it'll seem like yesterday. Mm. Um, you know, I, have got one set of kids that are completely grown. I've lost my two oldest. Um, my, my stepson I raised, um, he got stabbed to death, um, for about a hundred dollars. Oh, wow. That's what they think. They think he had about a hundred dollars on him. Um, stabbed nine times and his wallet was stolen. Um, you know, um, that ages you differently too. And it tempers you differently. Yeah, you know I always I, I always talk about the uh, the middle of the road um, the middle path you know you got all these people who are running down this side looking at UFOs and Bigfoot and cryptids and then you got all, the, all these people on this side they're talking about Nephilim and demons and mystical beings and draconids that are running the, the globe you know mm-hmm. and then you got the people like me that nobody really Gets Because I'm like, yeah, you know, okay, you got this over here and you got that over there. But I'm right here. I don't give a shit what's over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's this old thing in the Bible that says 10,000 will fall on your right hand and 100,000 on your left and you'll walk through it unscathed. Mm-hmm. Well, how are you going to do that if you're participating?
0: That doesn't a mean that we – <laughs>
3: Um, mm. we, it doesn't mean that we don't reveal it. I mean, I love our shows, your show, New York Patriot Lux, uh, General Lee, the people that I have on mine and the stuff that I've exposed on my podcast alone. Um, I love that kind of stuff because people need to hear it if they're ready for it, yes. but that doesn't mean that we get in the mud and waller with them.
0: No, exactly. Honestly, I don't think we'd be able to talk about what we talk about if we did. Like if we stayed stuck in it, the, it would destroy you.
2: Yeah. Like yeah. really, I, it, you'd fix you know, it I,
0: on it so much that you just don't want to live or something. Oh, like,
2: yeah.
1: yeah. I think that's the worst yeah. part well, with know, people thinking they're doing shadow work. It's like at some point yeah. you've you're you haven't cut off the cancer. You've like enjoying it now, and it's like yeah,
0: yeah. right. Yeah.
3: Yes. We well, you know something else. I want to bring up for people since I'm doing this and and I'm being candid you know Somebody asked me about uh, the occult practices that I've been through. All right. And earlier I I pointed out, I have never been a initiate in any order. Okay. But that doesn't mean that I haven't done things. Mm -hmm. All right. Now a lot of you will never ever see a tome or a text that talks about a black candle. And there's a reason for this. A black candle is what they call a gateway candle. All right. Um, you have to go through a very precise ritual in a very precise way you have to make the candle out of things that I would (laughs) at this age there is no way that I would do what I did okay Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to make the candle out of things that are extremely dark magic Mm -hmm. it's the only way to make the candle work it doesn't matter what purpose you have for the candle but New York's going to know this. When you step into that dark realm of magic, there are places you don't want to go unless you're ready. Mm. <laughs> when you light this candle, folks, when you light this candle, the only thing that you will see is that candle flame turned from yellow to purple. All right? Mm. When that candle turns purple, the light around it starts vanishing. Mm. Everything around it, Starts vanishing. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about opening a door to an abyss. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. no, I know exactly. People,
3: people say, people say, I have crossed the abyss. Excuse my language, New York. Fuck you. You've never even seen the abyss. <laughs> I lit the candle. Why? Because I had to know. You know, there's this old thing that I say. If you want to know what poison is, you have to know what poison is. Mm. I made the candle. I went through the ceremonies and the rituals required to light that candle. And I did it by myself. I didn't oh. ask anybody to help. I didn't ask anybody to be there. I did it by myself. I lit that candle and it went from a yellow white flame to a purple weird, I couldn't even tell you flame. That's and funny. as that flame's light spread, everything else went away. Gone. Now is, was this in, like, is this in your mind's there.
1: eye or does that actually like... Literally looking no, at the candle.
3: No, it's literal, brother. Oh, okay. It's physically. Right.
2: Yeah.
3: It is I haven't. Literal.
1: I haven't ever seen it change a color, but I've been able to blow it out But changing it, the color. That's fucking
2: insane.
3: Well, it's the way that the candle is made in the ceremony that you do. Uh-huh. All right. Um, you, you talk about Crowley and some of the other people. <laughs> and the alchemist. But anyway, it took me a long time to put that candle together in a lot of countries to figure out how to make it work without killing me or or losing me. The interesting thing about lighting that candle is, is is that candle's flame changed and then it started radiating. You know, you got the white candle flame that lights everything up. You've got the purple candle flame that makes everything go away.
2: Mm -hmm. And literally
3: you are floating in nothing. (laughs) wow um the problem is is there's it's not that there's nothing there there's a lot of things there um you know i always relate it to cthulhu (laughs) um that's the only way i can describe it you all the things that were there and the things that were whispering and the things that knew i was there and didn't belong there um they didn't scare me um But I knew if, yeah, I knew I didn't want to stay there.
0: (laughs) Right. Maybe it uh, Um, did the the candle like drop the veil basically?
3: Yeah. That's really what it's about. It's, it's called a black candle and, and, uh, those tones. trust me, uh, um, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to find them and then I turned, I spent even more time making sure that they went away. Um, (laughs) after the fact. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I can tell you what's there. Most of the people would, you know, just read Cthulhu if you want to know. If you want to know what's there, read Cthulhu.
0: Can you give um, us a, a brief description?
3: It's black. I mean, there's nothing there. I mean, it's, it's it's absolute darkness and emptiness. It's that, you know, in the Bible, it talks about the absence of the light. Mm. And that's not just physical light. It's not the light that you see by. It's the light that that we carry with us. Those things had no light. Those things couldn't give a damn if I was there or not, if I was alive or dead. It was complete indifference to anything. And that was probably the scariest part about that place is the complete indifference Mm
0: -hmm. to anything. Do you think it was what you'd call hell? What what were you describing You know, the
3: abyss, the the real abyss, the place where those things were put, Mm -hmm. by some means, you know, uh, across a different dimension into something even darker than what we have here. Uh, But, uh, you know, and the weird thing about it was, is the candle looked like it was miles and miles away from me at one point. And when I finally had enough of what I needed to feel and sense, I reached out and put the candle out with my fingers. Um, even though it seemed like it was, you know, all the way across the hall, a football field from me at that point. But it wasn't. Mm. I knew it wasn't. It was an illusion. They were trying to make me get lost. If yeah. I would try, I knew if I tried to walk, if I tried to walk, I would get lost. Um, even though my physical body, you know, who knows what my physical body would have looked like when it was found if I hadn't got back. Because I knew I was completely disconnected from it. But, you know, you people who talk about doing occult rituals, people who talk about doing magic. Let me point out to you all that you're playing little games that you have no idea what you're playing
2: with. Oh, very well. Yeah. Said.
3: Because because I can light a candle, I could build you a candle right now and send you straight into a plane that you would never find your way out of. And I could do it to you. I don't have to walk through it.
1: See, that's like one of the that's, things that I think magic. That I Yo. think people misunderstand too with magic. It's much more of I'll be totally honest with you. I think the best the only, you know, it's it's all psychological. You know, people think like, "Oh, someone did a spell on me like I'm going to fall off my bike and like break my leg." No, somehow your mind's going to get fucked up and that's exactly that's all. And then that, that could create what's going to happen afterwards. But, like, I really do think, like, what you just said, as easily as, you know, however you construct that thing, you could probably really terrorize somebody in the oh. mind. You don't have to physically harm them at all. No, I
3: don't. You know, You're not going to break out in a ranch. The they just go crazy reason. in the mind. This is another... This is another reason for me being on with you guys is to point this out to folks. Look, I have so many things that I have researched. New York, you know, you walk that dark road in order to find out. Me, I walked that dark road to find out what these folks were doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. I wanted to know what they were in contact with. And I'm telling you that the stuff that is there behind that candle, behind that veil, if that is what they're in contact with, it is no wonder that they are inhuman. Yeah, absolutely. In the actions that they take here. All right. Mm -hmm. But you have to know what that stuff Mm is. Now, as far as magic goes, what we're doing right now is magic. We are right. in three different places having a conversation <laughs> with anybody listening to us. Say that
1: all the time. <laughs> Say that all the time. This is magic.
3: This and, if, and if I can influence one person, then I have been successful at, committee, at, at doing magic. Yeah. It's just one. doesn't matter if everybody. <laughs> just one. But now here's the thing. When you want to talk about levels of magic, mm-hmm. that black candle is one of the most dark occult rumors. it goes all the way back as far as history goes. Into Samaria, into Egypt. Okay, there are very few people who would actually do that ceremony because of the risk involved. And I could do that ceremony right now and put that on somebody else instead of me. Can you imagine waking up in that place and wow. never waking up?
0: Maybe that's, that's what they, they
3: can do that.
0: Maybe they that's a lot of you. unexplainable, mysterious deaths.
3: You know, like I, I, I've, Well, not I've recently, never gotten no, like. But... Uh, not recently, no, but you know, you can give people nightmares. Oh, I can yeah. actually I can actually if I can get if I can get something of you, whether it's a piece of cloth, something that you wrote, your hair, whatever, I can give you nightmares that will kill you. All right? Mm-hmm. That is a fact. So if you don't know that this is possible, you know, magic doesn't exist. This this that is the biggest lie that they've told people, you all.
2: If you're listening to this. me now, I would, I would even the take... biggest
3: lie that they have told you is that it's not there. Yeah. I would even take this back to what
1: you said earlier, Raven, when you said sometimes, uh, like, when you're going to be shown stuff, maybe you you see too much or you're shown too much. I kind of like for some people to kind of make that sound easier to understand I'll equate it to, like, maybe you were going through the Akashic Records and read it a fa- couple of pages too far. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think oh, yeah. sometimes when it comes to magic, in my opinion, if it's a psychological attack... That is kind of what somebody may actually do to you, is actually start making things flutter into your mind that's going to terrorize the fuck out of you about, like, how is this even making sense? It's just very weird like that. Like, I, I do think that could even Wait, be a form of fucking with somebody. Let's
3: let's let's talk about something that happens to everybody who watches television or listens to the news. It's called fear magic, all right? Mm-hmm. And, and and New York and I are going to get into this Wednesday, by the way, y'all, but... Just Old to let teaser. you give a shout out. <laughs> um, but fear magic. Fear magic is a very real thing. What they do is they use very specific language, very specific motions of their face and their body, very specific images behind them. And by doing that with the technology that they use here, here's the art of the speech and the motion and the physical and, and the colors and all that with the technology, the science of television. And they actually mm-hmm. progress for fear magic on everybody who watches it. Yes. And it's totally constant. Great.
1: That's all the TV's use.
3: Okay, that is, yeah, well, and, and that is Politics. that is magic. Politics. Using art and science to influence somebody to your will. Okay? Absolutely. So, so there is a very simple example of everyday magic, and this is something that New York and I will be talking about on Wednesday, folks. Um,
2: yeah,
3: so it's really sure. important that you understand that, that that is a base magic. What I am oh. talking about is the occult stuff. They can do things to you because you don't believe it's possible that you have no idea. You have nightmares for six months and you don't sleep and and you have a mental breakdown. That could be you doing it to yourself or it could be somebody doing it to you because you were interfering with their business or interfering with their life and they didn't like it. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand that this magic is out there all the time and, and protect yourself from it, which is not very hard to do being aware is, is most of it, um, then they have you under their influence all the time without you even knowing. It.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's why, you know, people for people to listen to, like, your podcast and, like, NY, to demystify that, it breaks this, the spell. It breaks its ability to have a hold on you once you see how it works. You're like, oh, well, maybe I, I don't. Now that you're aware of it, it makes you more immune to it.
3: Well, you know, it's like symbology. Um, mm-hmm. Once you're aware of what these symbols are, and you can see them consciously, that's mm-hmm. the catch. <laughs> once you see them consciously, then they don't have the effect on you that they're intended.
1: Exactly, oh, oh, Raven. I have a quick, uh, quick question for you too from uh, the chat, real quick. Yeah, uh, that I'm seeing now. I was looking. I was actually looking in the private chat and forgot to switch over. Uh, I see someone saying, oh, naive question, Uh, but is what Raven describing the ninth realm? Say what? Is what you're describing, is that uh, what's considered the ninth realm? I'm
3: not sure the ninth realm of what, but yeah. Well, you know, you have the seven gates that everybody talks about. Yes. And then you have the eighth gate, which very few talk about. And then you have the ninth gate. And what's funny is they put them almost in reverse order because the ninth gate is that realm of nothing.
1: That's, that's what I think um, that movie, The Ninth Gate, is about, actually. He's getting to that point. Well, or something like that. If you look
3: at all the uh, esoteric writers that talked about the ninth gate, it's either hell, you know, if you talk about the movie, hell. Um, or Johnny Depp, Depp was in both, where, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> it's. It, the Ninth Gate is also the way that H.P. Lovecraft described getting to Cthulhu. Very
2: interesting. So,
1: well, see, I think Cthulhu has something to do with like expressing the abyss. And, like, what's the possibilities
2: yes, and the dangers. And, the
3: and I, like I can that. tell you if, if you, if you all listening to me have ever read Cthulhu or haven't, I have a playlist of Cthulhu audiobooks on my YouTube channel. Just awesome. listen to one of them. If you want to know where I was at, when I lit that candle,
0: it'll tell you. I'm going to listen later today. <laughs> I mean,
1: real, real real quick question, too, and I don't want to get this uh, just real quick answer. Do you think when it comes to magic, electricity is a big component of it?
3: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, we, we are electromagnetic entities. And when we change our frequency or our vibration or the energy input into our being, that's how we astral project. That's how we dimensionally jump. Anybody can do it.
2: So The that problem I, is is
3: you all, people have been convinced that you can't. Yeah, yeah. When you meditate, you're changing your frequency and your vibration. Now all you have to do is change your energy, which is the reason why most people, especially monks, will either do it in water that's freezing cold, or they'll do it right on ground or rock that is electro uh, uh, quartz loaded so that it has a different electrical charge. You know, I'm giving away esoteric knowledge here,
0: guys. This is so funny. The, the re- the reason, so funny. The reason no, I, I
1: ask that is I'm thinking, uh, so the, the fact that the song the Call of Cthulhu is on Metallica's Ride the Lightning album might have something, might be a connection there. I might be saying something.
3: Well, you know, Ride the Lightning <laughs> is a really interesting statement because the old saying in esoteric literature is, is that when you into this physical body and you're born, you remember – You are connected by a string to that body, but when you're born, you actually come into it. Okay, there's a difference in esoteric teaching. When when we cover the Voyage Man, it shows that too. You are brought through the veil and you ride the lightning into that body. That's where that saying comes from.
1: That's why I use it is for for saying that exact thing. If I ever mention Ride the Lightning or say it on a post or something, that's exactly what I'm getting at, is that whole thing. Um,
3: You know, people who have NDEs talk about that flash that they get when they jump back into their body. It's because they have ridden ridden that charge, that lightning, back into their body. I mean, they even Mm -hmm. got the song Um, Trapped on
1: the Ice. I mean, to me, that's like piercing through the fucking veil right there.
3: Well, you know, if you want to if you want to meditate, jump dimensions, or astral project, the best thing to do is either be on the ground, changing your energy by grounding yourself, or find a nice quartz rock. On um, here, we're lucky because we have the the quartz, heavy loaded quartz in the, in the rock around us. So even being on the ground changes your charge, but your meditation changes your vibration and your frequency.
1: Yes, <laughs> those three yeah. things: vibration,
3: yeah. energy, vibration, and frequency. That's Tesla's three six nine, which I just did a podcast on, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I saw but that show when up you somewhere the else, energy, too,
3: recently. And when I was when like, you change the energy, the frequency, and the vibration of yourself, you are changing that separate being, that consciousness. And that's how you get out. Okay? It's that, it's that simple. Um, that's the reason why you see the monks. They're in the cold water, or they're on rock, or, or they're barefoot standing in sand. They're changing the energy that they're using.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah. Well, let's. That's why I think you know people like Wim Hof and all this like um, ice bath therapy. It's all becoming like super oh, yeah. popular. And funny enough, yeah. Um, I also just got this little device. It's called the Healy. I don't know if anyone has ever heard of it, but it runs off of that exact principle where like it influences your bioenergetic field and frequency to help heal you of certain things. You can use it for a lot of different things. It's very interesting. So,
3: well, you know, when I did the, uh, when I did the candle ceremony, I had to take ice baths for six straight weeks. Yeah. That was that was a, a change of energy. I had to take an ice bath for six, eight, six straight weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very powerful.
3: Um, it changes your it changes your level. It changes your ability to adjust your own body's metabolism. Um, you know, and and people are talking about using uh, psychedelics. And I, I'm telling you right now, if you're not mentally and spiritually and emotionally prepared to use psychedelics, you will get what you're prepared for. <laughs> um I'm just telling you, you will get what you're prepared for.
2: Um, Only because my past experience is... the
3: most god awful, horrifying mm-hmm. experience. Be wonderful. Or you'll 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 find some of them dark things waiting on you. Because if you're not prepared, then uh, you're going to get what you're prepared for.
2: Right.
3: You know, it, it's not like. uh you know, going and making a cake where you got all your ingredients already, you have to You have to make the ingredients ready within yourself before you do that stuff.
0: You're the ingredient.
3: <laughs> Eggs, well, you are the primary ingredient in that case.
0: Right. Well, but,
3: yeah, you know, um, uh, I, I wanted to bring up the black candle, not because – and folks do not ever think that that was a, a brag. I did that, and the risk-benefit was like zero – there was no benefit to me if I failed. I um, understood when I did that ceremony that if I failed, somebody would find me dead in the room.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Probably with a very horrified look on my face. All right? Mm. Um, the, the reason why I bring that up and other, other types of magic is just because people want to know how I know what I know about the occult. Well, if you want to know what poison is, you have to taste it.
1: All right. You know, I had I had a someone that I knew a long time ago, and then uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to probably wrap this
3: up and get get going. But
1: I even had a, you I should
3: say, guys, I'm. I, I'm running low, low on batteries.
1: So. Oh, okay. All right. So perfect.
2: <laughs> perfect. I
1: had somebody, and I, I do believe he was really a Freemason. Well, he showed me a card. I mean, it could have been fucking fake for all I know, but I don't think he was crazy. And It was like somebody I knew, and he told me that his uh, – I wish I would have like been more interested in this stuff then when he told me this. He said that his daughter was in I, – I don't know if it was the Eastern Star or what it was. His daughter was involved with something in the, ma- the Masons. And she was at that point where she had to start looking at that stuff. And he says, people, you know, automatically start thinking, oh, that's horrible, don't fuck with that shit. He says, but the thing is, he's like, you need to you need to distinguish between both to know mm-hmm. what
3: you're truly doing. He says, so yes.
1: unfortunately, you're going to have to learn the other side
3: to do it right. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, for me... Uh the, the walk down those dark roads was intentional on my part. I mean, I had an intention. Now, I didn't have dark intentions. That that was not what it was. It's a difference
1: too.
2: Right? But I had
3: to understand what these. I had to understand what these higher orders, you know, like thirty-six and thirty-eight and forty, were doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, New York knows what I'm talking about. You know, everybody says, "Oh, thirty-second and thirty-third degree, Hell, whatever." They're out in public. Yeah, <laughs> those are not you need to know about you need to know about the 38 and the 40 and the, oh my god he doesn't even have a, a level <laughs>
1: yeah when, when you just um, start becoming you, nameless <laughs> yeah exactly you
3: know you uh, people talk about you know oh he's a 32nd degree mason mason or a 33rd degree mason well i'll tell you right now i i will shake hands with a mason that is a 32nd degree level and i will put my thumb over his knuckle all right and I'm, not, and I'm not even a member of any cult or any order. I automatically put him in his place. All right? Damn. Every time. Why? Because three times three, so might it be. But that's the fourth turning that releases the key. You are that you are, and I am that I am. And you, even at 40 and 50 levels above everybody else, are still below me because I walk the path and you, have chosen a completely different one, which puts you below me. That's very
1: Just well Just saying. Said. I
3: like that. I like um, that. You know, if you're going to do the sacrificial rights of, of sex and, and children and blood rights and sex rights and all that shit for power, then mm. you are automatically below me. Oh yeah. doesn't matter that I know how it works. Yeah. You have no right to be in the same room with me. If you're that way, Leave. I, I have taken a 33rd degree Mason and I have put my thumb over his knuckle and he just looked at me and he nodded his head. Do you know what that is? That's acknowledgement that I'm a higher level than he is.
0: Respect. Right.
3: Um, and I don't care. You know, they can get angry if they want, but the fact of the matter is, is we know what they do. And if people choose not to listen to us, that's their problem, not ours. That's,
2: that's a
1: good point. Very well said,
3: Raymond. Our job is to be the spokespeople. And the reason why I brought that up, you all, is because uh, by calling on that treaty, the way that I just did with that statement, um, they won't interfere with this. Um, They don't have the right to. You know, that's the other thing people need to understand. There is a treaty, and if you understand what it is and your right's under it, then they can't interfere with you because you have told them, I'm not playing this game. You play your game and leave me out of it.
1: You know I'll, like a- I'll be totally I'll be totally honest with you Raven I've said that myself plenty of times there is things that I say there's stuff in my logos there's just stuff in my shit that if the people who understand will, will know that I'm not a fake I'm not a fraud. And as long as I'm not saying people's specific names and addresses and sending people, you know, not even sending people. Unfortunately, humans can go and then go do things on their own. But as long as exactly. I'm not actually affecting anybody's will in what I'm saying, nobody's going to do anything, even if they don't agree with what I'm doing.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is is, is under the treaty, we are allowed to talk. We are allowed to teach. Yes. We're allowed to reveal like to hear what we're saying. <laughs> but but they can keep people from hearing us by oh, you know
2: yeah.
3: you know shadow banning us and whatever, but sure. they can't prevent us from talking. Um, and and if you understand your rights under the treaty, they also can't interfere with your basic needs of life either. Now, as things get more and more difficult to to get, then you may get less and less. But they are not allowed to interfere with you because you have to be like a mud buggy. You ever seen the swamp buggy races? (laughs) You run through the mud in that buggy and the mud just rooster tails and flies everywhere. But when you come out the other side, you got a few drops on you, right? Mm -hmm. That's the way we have to be. We're not part of the race. We're not part of the mud on either side. We're not part of the rooster tail either. Although if you're doing your job, right, you'll leave one behind you that people can still follow. Um, but by not participating and saying, look, I'm not taking left, right, I'm not taking light or dark. I am a mystic gnostic and I'm not playing your game. Mm-hmm. The treaty mm-hmm. is in force. Leave me out of it. I like and that. Yeah, so I, not look not at right. the benefits not that right. I've had. Not look and I tell everybody the same thing. so I, you know we need to wrap this up so folks listen to me. Mahayana, favor means nothing missing, nothing broken. Nothing absent from your lives that is needed. Emphasis, needed. So when you hear me say that in my podcast, you see me type that when I'm on Twitter or Instagram, I mean it. Mahayana. Mahayana uh, means what is above is what is below. It's an old way of saying it. Yeah, you say um, that every
1: time you leave a, a comment on my on uh, YouTube.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mahayana means what is above is below, and then favor nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing absent from your lives that are needed. And I can tell you right now, if you want to improve your lives, be of service to others is the golden rule.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And and it doesn't matter if you do podcast, if you do comedy, if you do write a book. If you go down to the uh, local uh, uh, food place and feed homeless people, or you work at a soup kitchen, or you just hand out boxes to people of food at at one of those dispersion points, if you walk by and hand somebody a cup of coffee, being of service to others is how you fight what's going on around you. I
2: love that. Yeah. Very
0: well said. I love that. Yeah. I remember when you told me what that meant, Raven, and I was like, I love it so much because it comes from a place of abundance and not of lack at all. Exactly. So it puts forth you know? like the correct vibration. I feel, you know.
3: Well, and the other thing too is, is let me emphasize again that last word: needed.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yes. Needed, I, I, not wanted. I,
0: I, not and not. Existed. Total difference. Total.
1: That's part of magic is making you think you want something that that a want became a need. <laughs> my opinion exactly, exactly.
3: <laughs> you know folks thank I you so much man. any of you who tuned into us live came to listen to me um i'm just i'm just raven you know i'm an indian that lives in the mountains and grows gardens and flowers and i just happen to have traveled a lot and i've studied a lot uh, whatever it's the coolest dude in I, the it, game if, yeah. I, <laughs> if, if i say something that can help you you know, look, if you all really want help, I have a podcast. It's called the laugh podcasts. Okay. I've got four different podcasts I'm doing right now. I have the laugh podcast. There's like 70 hours of stand up comedy and I have pre-recorded them all the way through Christmas. You all. So there'll be a new comedy podcast every week. I have interviews all the way through Christmas. I have audio books all the way through Christmas now. Um, and then I have the other things that I'm doing too. But if you really want to help yourself, find one of my laugh podcasts, and laugh at my stupidity.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And can you tell people, Raven, where they can find all this amazing content that you always put out?
3: Um, My interviews are getting posted on YouTube now, the ones that I can. Mm -hmm. But you'll find me at Spreaker.com, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, Spreaker.com. And it will be Raven Kiefer. If you type my name in, all four of those podcasts will come up. I'm also on Spotify, uh, Deezer. I was surprised. Every one of the podcast repeater sites picked me up, including podcast addicts. So if you type in Raven, as in the bird, Kiefer, K-E-E-F-E-R, you can find me on almost any of the podcast repeater sites, too. So if you have a preference, um, Spotify would not pick up my no apologies because I talk about things that aren't allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but they did pick, but they did pick up my, uh, they did pick up my laugh podcasts, my audio books, um, and my, uh, uh, interviews. So awesome. But, you know, just type in Raven Kiefer Spotify or Raven Kiefer podcast addict or Raven Kiefer Spreaker, and you will find all my podcasts and they are four separate podcasts because they're four completely different things. But, uh, I did the audiobooks because a lot of people have, don't have time to read, but they can listen while they're doing other things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's very helpful. <laughs>
3: um, and, and just to point out to people, I, I went back and I chose some stuff that, that most people haven't heard. Like uh, right now, uh, I did the Night Flyer, which is Stephen King's original story, not the one from the movie. And then I did uh, the Berserker series by Fred Saberhagen, which is a true dystopian hell. They create machines. Their only goal is to destroy life. Hmm. Um, and now I am doing Ray Bradbury. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a variety, but it's kind of this dystopian thing. Sometimes we create our own dystopia in, in the way that we think and in the way that we act.
0: It's not the truth.
3: So, uh, folks, if you don't have time to read, but you want some good, you know, I, I'm just reading the books. Um, there's audiobooks, and the interviews are fantastic. I've had, I've had Teresa on and, and, I've got a couple of new ones coming out with Reverend Raven. uh, Amazing blues legend folks. Um, And we talk about the history of it and his band and his greatest two parts. That's how much I enjoyed talking to him after all these years. Um, So, you know, just have fun with me and I'm not monetized. Also you guys going and listening, it's just to entertain you and, and to give you guys information. It's not.
2: Yeah.
3: Does that cover it? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I really um, want to dive into your podcast more. I've heard some, but there's so much content, and I'm a busy mom, so I listen <laughs> here and there. But I appreciate the the audio because I can listen while I do stuff. That's how I learn oh, yeah. everything. I listen while I wash dishes. I listen while I fold laundry. <laughs> right? So that's how we learn. Well, you know,
3: on the on the No Apologies podcast, I did uh, – there's seven parts of occulted history. There's two different sections. Oh, there's one that I did so early, good. and there's one that I did recently. And that's all the stuff that's been hidden that I could find, that I could mm-hmm. find. There's, I'm sure there's more. And then I did a ten-part series that's just myths and mystics. Um, it talks about uh, mythology and oral traditions – and then the last two I actually shared oral traditions, stories that have been told to me. So,
0: oh, that's so cool. I, I
3: try I try to I try to share things that are relevant and things that will help people. You know, absolutely. Um, I just did a I just did one on uh, Tesla three six nine, and I just did another one on sevens. Those crazy sevens. It just went
1: out oh. yesterday. Very interesting. Oh, uh, yeah. I might have
2: to check that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> Raven, <laughs> you're such a
0: gem.
3: <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you. If you stuck with us for two hours, I appreciate you all. And hopefully uh, it didn't get too long for you. But I tried to drop no, everything no, no. that I could and tell you. I've, be, I've been through hell myself, y'all. I've been through hell. And, and I put myself through hell, too. I, I admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and somehow I've managed all these years later with all the things to actually be of use to people. Um, so don't think that you can't be.
0: Absolutely. Raven, you're such a gem and I love you. And thank you for coming on the show because you always have the most amazing things to say. I just really appreciate your knowledge and your time.
3: I always thank you for having me on and and hopefully this helps somebody. There you go. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Absolutely. I love yeah, it, man. I, I think love it. people will get a lot out of it from all the different parts of your life, oh well, my goodness, and all your content that they can check out.
1: Yes. And don't forget like he said uh yeah, Wednesday you'll be on my show.
3: 9:30. 30 yeah, oh, in the morning.
1: No. Oh, yeah, or like 10, I think it's 10:30 for me. It. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: And why? Tell them where they can find it. Oh
1: well, we'll be. Uh, I'll probably go live on um, Rejects and Friends and uh, the Occult Rejects Twitter and the Occult Rejects, or it might be John Ocular. I forgot which one. Whatever, some page that the Occult Rejects is on there. We'll go to live to that on Facebook. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna try to go live this Wednesday. Uh, if I don't go live and it's just pre-recorded, that may not drop for a few weeks, but. Yes, this Wednesday, I think ten thirty Eastern. That's what I have. I could be wrong. Yes, uh, that ten thirty uh, yes, Eastern. We will be going live, talking about uh, magic again. So awesome. Yes, definitely looking forward to that. Hey, and I, everybody. Yes, thank you so man much, my man. I appreciate you as always. Always love having you on, and you're just you. You always got great stuff to say. Thank you, bro. For real. It's
2: appreciate you.
0: Thank you. Thank you to everyone in the chat. Yes, and, uh, and all the yeah. questions.
1: That was great. And, uh, yeah, all our links, I even put Raven's links in there and even his Twitter and his Instagram. He is on Perfect. social media. I added all his links in there. So, yeah, everybody's stuff is in there. And until the next one, everybody be well. Later.